Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 72 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616. And of course, I've always got my homie Jay to the P. You, you smell like a motherfucking stinky Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we've always got the homie. Welcome back to the show, Kyle, the horophile. Gio, what's going on, brothers? What's up, man? <laughs> I'm sick, man. Yeah, you, yeah, sound, like you sound like awful. I'm I'm really sick. I'm really stuffed up, like super congested right now. So this is really hard to talk. I'm like holding a tissue up to my nose. <laughs> I was talking <laughs> so bad. It's just not cool, man. I c- I couldn't think of anything cool to say about for you, Kyle. So sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can use the pedophile joke again because it's just. I, I mean that only works once. You called me something. You called me something else. Uh, the last podcast we did the Ilsa podcast. I can't remember what it was. Uh, oh, the, the chatterbait one. Was yeah, the, chat- the chatterbait one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Which yeah. I actually used a joke like that in the X Files show a while back. That's funny. Yeah, you probably did. We uh, we crack on ourselves all day on the X Files podcast, but yeah, so JP sucks. So uh, hey, it smells like it smells like a Mexican werewolf. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know where that came from, man. <laughs> uh, sorry, so, man. I'm, I'm always ripping on you the hardest. What, what are you guys now, up to this week? Uh, this week, <laughs> I don't know, man. Watching, spend fucking way too much time watching eight howling films. God almighty. And spent a lot of time howling at them. Listen, literally. Kyle had like, like three weeks. He started like three weeks ago. <laughs> dude, I, I literally had like half of this half of the franchise done within like three weeks ago. And then I just kind of sat on the rest of them because I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to watch all these in a row again. Because I watched like one a night for like a week. And like I got through like four of them and I was like, all right, well, let me just sit on these for another week and then I'll get into the rest of them because I wasn't, I wanted to watch other things. I was watching Dexter. Like we were talking before the show, I've like got really like hardcore into Dexter and I want to like catch up on it. I was on like season five and then I like watched a whole season in like two days and I, I'd rather watch Dexter, but I just had to sit on it for a little bit just to kind of calm myself down. Yeah. So, we I, didn't I, have I, the luxury of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I, I kind of made a spreadsheet for myself not like in the literal form, but like I mentally, I, uh, I started watching these on Monday and I was like, well, I got Monday through Thursday. It's four days. I'll do two a night. Uh, of course I ended up getting sick on Wednesday and last night I had to watch seven and eight. It was just, it was such a bad night. <laughs> it was just not a fun night. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. you, know, you know, like, you know, you're all sick and you have to watch those two at the end. I was like, okay, but you know, the schedule did work out well. And I actually even got some 2002 films in there for the, for that show too. So, you know, at least I, I kept myself sane that way. Yeah. 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 I you mean, know, really see, the only thing. That, I was trying to do that too where I was like, okay, I'll watch one Howling film and then I'll watch one 2002 film. Because I'm actually, believe it or not, like I'm loving doing the 2002 films because I'm mostly watching all good movies while I'm doing that right now. You know, because I'm yeah. obviously trying to watch the ones that are notable. And, you know, the first night I watched Howling 1 and 2 and I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. You know, I, 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 I was a little bit not looking forward to watching the original Howling simply because I've literally watched it like three times in the last year before that because I watched it with the commentaries and, you know, the scream. I, I think I talked about it on the show, actually. I did it on a closer look at it and yeah. watched all the special features and stuff. So I was like, oh, man, I just did this literally. So I got that one out of the way and, of course, it was easy. And then Howling 2, 
out of the way. And then I think I, I, on night two, I meant to watch like Howling three and four and only watched a little bit of Howling three. So then, uh, I think Wednesday or Tuesday night I watched, uh, what was it? Tuesday night. Either way, I ended up with five in two days left. So I had two days left. I had Wednesday night. And Thursday, all day Thursday to watch the re- the uh, five left. So you ultimately had to like marathon all the end ones. Yeah, I watched <laughs> Howling three, four, and five one day. Or no, Howling four, five, <laughs> and six one day, and then uh, seven and eight yesterday, which actually was a little bit easier than I thought because I, because. You know, I got home from work on Wednesday and it's already like, you know, five, six o'clock and then I have three Howling movies to watch. And then the next day, Thursday, I was off. So I woke up at like 10 a.m. and I was like, oh, wow, I have like a million hours to watch two Howling flicks now. So that was it's it's not that bad when you have a day off to do it. Yeah, I I my my schedule, like with my work is kind of weird, weird where I work like four hours in the morning and then I have like a four hour break in the middle of the day and then I work four hours at night. So like pretty Ugh. much the days that I and I actually like that schedule. I'm kind of used to it now. But like the days that I watch the Howling films, I would put them on like like during my break. And I will say this to kind of go on record before we get into these movies. I did fall asleep probably at least three, like during three or four of these movies and had to start them over where I fell asleep because I was that bored, you know, and kind of just <laughs> like toward the end there when I like, when you're watching eight films that are in like a franchise of like one, you know, based on like one movie or based on one theme, I just kind of got like after a while, I was just kind of bored with the whole werewolf thing. Cause when I was doing it so much, like, you know, for a while there, I was just like, eh, but yeah, I did fall asleep probably during about three or four of these films, and I had to restart where I left off. Yeah, I fell asleep. asleep about three or four times in Howling Four alone. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that makes sense. So I, I was getting you got bored of the idea of the werewolf films, not what idea? Lit, not of yeah. not of the not of the werewolves because some of these don't even have fucking. Yeah, werewolves that's, in yeah, that's what I was gonna say. say. That's, that's what, what I was have zero at. werewolves in them. I and mean, they it's like the idea that I'm watching show. these werewolf it's films, but. Oddly there's enough, no there's werewolves. No werewolves in them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's uh it it's a feat, man. You know, it's eight films and you Listen, know, I mean for one thing, uh, by I think five and six, they're like over ninety minutes. And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like just they're only like eight minutes over. But <laughs> at the end as soon as I looked, I was like, Are you kidding me? You're telling me this film's so damn good. You couldn't get rid of eight minutes? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Like, honestly, there isn't one film in this franchise that's under 90 minutes. And a couple of them are over 100. Yeah, I cannot believe that. That's incredible. Like, Howling 7 is an hour and a half. Like, I cannot fucking believe that. That is... Dude. That just blows my mind. Like, how it could be an hour and a half. Like, how they drew that fucking movie out for an hour and a half. I think (laughs) every one of these films could have benefited from being 80 minutes. Seriously. Or even less. Probably. Probably. <laughs> 70, 80 minutes. And I I honestly think that a lot of them wouldn't be as bad as they actually are. Just just simply by being shorter. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I mean, I don't think there was really much saving for a few of them. But I think if they were a little bit less like time-wise, uh, that more people I honestly, would have watched it. I think it's a stretch even to say that. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> I, I honestly think if you, even if you cut out 20 minutes of some of these films, they would still not be great. They would just be, you know, a shorter misery. 
Yeah, well, I, I, the main one I'm looking at <laughs> when I'm saying this is like something like the Howling Five, because to me that one kind of feels like a full moon film, and full moon films are like seventy minutes. And dude, full moon films suck. Like, yeah. let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But we, me and Moods, like them because I don't yeah. know they're like nostalgic and they're silly and fun, and they, they're but they're at the end of the day, if a full moon film's like ninety minutes long. You're probably not gonna like it, like least out of all of them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the I, first things I look at when I'm like, when I was watching these movies, I was like, all right, how long am I gonna have to sit through? This? Like when I got to like the fourth one, I was like, okay, how long am I gonna sit through this piece of shit? I mean, I didn't even watch it, and I was like going ahead and assuming it might be a piece of shit, possibly. And I was like, okay, how long is this movie gonna be? And then I saw, you know, some of them were like an hour thirty, an hour forty, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like. Fucking imagine if these movies were like two hours long, like a Star Wars movie, or like two and a half hours. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. That would just be the most depressing thing ever to look at. Fucking, like, oh, how much time's left in this movie? Oh, another 80 minutes? What the fuck? <laughs> Contemplate oh, suicide man. at that point. <laughs> it's terrible, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But, you know, it's kind of funny what I was trying to get at before. You know, this franchise has eight films, but it felt to me, and I know Kyle might disagree, but it felt to me way, way more than doing the Children of the Corn franchise, which had nine Dude, films. That's I'm like, going to go on record right now, and I, it'll come out more when we discuss the films, obviously, but I think that this is the worst franchise I've ever seen. Nah, nah. Dude, I, I will say this, and I said it before the, we even got on the show. I, I honestly was a little bit more entertained with these films, even though a lot of them weren't that great, than I was with the Children of the Corn films. Fucking like, I remember watching I think we should just... I don't know. Oh, my God. I, no. I, I, I just was like, I, they were so bad, some of them, that I wanted to keep watching them. Like, oh my. like even the, with the Children of the Corn ones, it was like, like they were just... I think Kyle's still high. I, I might be. I might be. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to sound like I really like the movies when you hear my ratings, probably. But I'm just saying, like, I remember, like, I, I maybe it was because I started them three weeks before you guys did. Maybe. But <laughs> that I just felt like these went by a lot quicker for me. And yeah, probably. Little, well, that actually quicker. makes sense, right? If you if you had like three weeks to watch all three, all eight of these films, but you crammed to watch nine Children of the Corns in you know five six days yeah, or whatever, probably, that it probably would be easier to get through. <laughs> it does make sense. You know, sometimes the way you watch the movies is you know you can kind of benefit from spreading them out if you have to marathon them yeah you're probably going to get a little sick quicker yeah you know and be like fuck this these films feel just way too too long and too much but i don't know i think i paced it out pretty good and still it didn't matter (laughs) (laughs) but i i honestly i honestly uh you know me and jp we uh we disagree quite a bit and but i do agree with them on this one though i mean (laughs) Excluding because I've never seen most of the uh, the witchcraft, um, so I've only ever seen the first two. Well, no, actually, no, I'm lying. I've seen a couple of the middle sequels. I don't know which ones I've seen. I've seen about, about three. Yeah, I can't remember which ones I've seen. But uh, you know, out of the major franchises, this has got to be the worst franchise. Well, the funny thing. Whole. The funny thing is, so this is kind of a kind of like a something I was thinking about while I was watching these films is, you know, with the Children of the Corn franchise, a lot of those films are they're not connected, but they have like the really, really like a really kind of um, close underlying meaning to like all those films. Like they kind of stick within the meaning to the first film. These films right here don't like like literally they're all fucking like they may bring up 
previous movies, but they're all fucking yeah. different. Like they have nothing whatsoever. Like some of them have zero to do with any of the other movies. Like yeah. they yeah, made they really nothing. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't try to make films with continuity. They didn't try to do at a, as a franchise. I mean, the Howling franchise is just a phrase. You know, none of these films really have anything to do with each other. And you know, yeah. it, it's truly amazing though, too. Like the guy that did, um, he directed Howling Two and the Howling Three. Like, talk about completely different fucking movies. It's crazy yeah, the yeah. same guy you know, did those you know, movies. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just wild to me. Yeah. Again, with the Children of the Corn franchise, though, I think what I like about the Children of the Corn franchise is that, okay, you have the first one, which is a classic, much like this franchise, right? And then you have the second one, which is just a sequelized, like, you know, lesser film, which is kind of like the second one in this yeah. one. And then you have uh, the in the hood, pretty much. And this one is like in Australia, so it's it's kind of similar thing. You take it out of its elements. And then you have part four, which is a completely different movie in the Children of the Corn franchise. And in this one, it's more sort of like a prequel type thing. And then in Children of the Corn part five, it's like a slasher film. And then in six, it's nonsense. And then seven, it's like a spinoff, like weird apartment style like high risey type just weird horror film like i feel like the children of the corn franchise much like the howling franchise they're different but i think that in children of the corn it's it's much more uh fun and entertaining different than in this one where it's just like what the fuck am i watching what what is this one <laughs> here's a, here's a good question for you so yeah. for both of you guys so do you think this franchise and this is just because i watched uh, I've seen the Howling franchise now, and I did watch most of all the uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. Which one do you think is worse? This one. Really? This one. Yeah. This one. By far. Yeah. That's that's very. I mean, yeah. I can, there's only seventy six movies in Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. One is great, and then two is half of one, so that automatically makes it semi decent. <laughs> the other half is uh, well, it's it is what it is. But the, it's just this one has much m- more bad in it than than good <laughs> yeah that that is true i do agree like i i kind of agree with that with like i guess when you're comparing them to the children of the corn now that i'm kind of thinking about it i think i probably did like a little bit more like a few more children of the corn movies than the movies that i'm about to review here because yeah there really wasn't that many of these that were that great at all so i could see that so i don't know i mean it's it's the case of you know boredom you know, in the Children of the Corn films, we know they're not great films, but I was never, like, legitimately bored to death. I think, I think like, Six is movies. the only one that is actually, like, just utterly bored. Well, six four was boring, is to yeah. Too, but I know you guys like Four. Yeah, but oh, yeah. Six is just, like, literally, but, like, even Five, super bad and stupid, right? But is it really yeah. that boring? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, precisely, precisely. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was actually yeah. really appalled by some of these films in this franchise, but I was there were some of them were so fucking bad <coughs> part seven <coughs> that um, I I just had to fucking watch it. I don't know. I was just like I remember watching. Well, I'll just go and say I remember watching part seven and I was like, I, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what? <laughs> what? No, Who Kyle, was smoking what when this I, shit I, happened? I'm and not... I just had to watch it. So, yeah, there are some so bad it's good in the Howling franchise, to me personally. Uh, we'll yeah. get into that as we go, and we'll figure out which ones I mean. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, on that note, should we just get into these? Yeah. Let's, we already did some talking on them. We might as well just go right in. 
Well, let's let's do the elaborating on what we mean. All right, so the Howling franchise, which started in 1981, um, first film uh, directed by Joe Dante. Kind of cool. You know, this yeah. one starts out with a bang. You got Joe Dante uh, based off the book. Um, D. Wallace. And of course, starring D. Wallace. Yeah, the amazing D. Wallace. Uh, she's so awesome. And um, John Carradine has a part in this film. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you guys ever notice? I was looking on the credits, this guy's name. There's a guy in this film called Slim Pickens. His oh, real I, yeah, his name on his credit is Slim Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome, dude. That's just such that's like the best cowboy name ever. It is. I love what, it. What about uh, uh yeah, but the original... Ron Atkins? Ron Atkins? Yeah, that's yes. uh, the poor man's yes. Tom Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um yeah, so the Halloween from 1981, which is of course my favorite year in horror film history. Like I've mentioned that a bunch of times, but yeah. Listen, you know what's really Go cool figure. about the Howling from 1981? It was released April 10th, 1981, which was exactly 10 years to the day of my birth. Before my birth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. April 10th. You're born in 1991. Holy shit. Yeah, on April right 10th. There you go. I would have been about a year old when this movie came out. A year. I would have been not born yet until 87. Yeah, eight <laughs> freaking eight featured reviews on this show, kicking it off with The Howling. Joe Dante, fresh off of Piranha, I believe. And uh, yeah, he, he, you know, what? how did he get this job? Do you even know? Not sure. I mean, well, not, not I guess, fresh in his filmography. Yeah, but uh, this would have been about, what, three years later? Yeah, yeah. That he did The Howling. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess he probably just got the job because he did Piranha. He's got a little knack for horror films, I guess. I don't really know the whole story with Joe Dante in this film, but I don't know. But uh, The Howling from 1981, a little quick synopsis. After a bizarre and near-fatal encounter with a serial killer, a television newswoman is sent to a remote mountain resort whose residents may not be what they seem. Yeah, and just to start off, guys, we will be spoiling. I always want to say that at the very beginning of the franchise, and we always forget. So, yeah, we will be spoiling films throughout. Even though these films don't have much continuity to them, might as well. It's a franchise talk, and so. Yeah. So, So, yeah. Thoughts on the 1981. The opening I really like because it kind of has that fucking super sleazy Phil, which you, you almost don't expect when you hear Joe Dante directed this, you always kind of lump him into like the kid friendly stuff, but you know, he started out in Piranha and then this. So he actually was doing some, you know, a little bit more hardcore stuff beforehand. And the howling always to me seemed to seem like it sort of had like a classiness to it, but really like, I forget that there's all this like sleaze right at the beginning. Yeah. With the killer. And yeah, I mean, I never really thought of it as sleaze, but I guess when you, put it you know in comparison with joe dante's work yeah i guess it's probably the more risque stuff that he's done well i mean the if you, fact if you want that to go into like a porn shop and stuff like yeah. that is sleaze yeah. like I that's guess. a sleazy part of town yeah that's true i mean it, it doesn't it, you know necessarily focus on the porn i mean a little bit it, but not, well like, too, i mean they, stuff, he but. puts the quarter in and it starts playing and stuff it like it, it yeah you could tell like d wallace is very uncomfortable so i mean i i always thought that it kind of uh, 
kind of oozes sleaze at the very beginning, which it, it's a completely different movie once it goes in. But it's supposed oh, it's setting up oh, yeah. that tone yeah. uh, for the character being in a situation where she's clearly uncomfortable and she doesn't belong in this area at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, the beginning of this film is actually like, you know, with the, the whole news um, news reporter, like at the news station has always reminded me of Dawn of the Dead. Dude, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like I had that, that was the first thing in my notes was like, when I first started watching this film, I was like, this looks almost like exactly like Dawn of the Dead. That's what I was like. This is cool as fuck. Yeah. The way it's filmed. I always relate the beginning of this movie to Dawn of the Dead because it's pretty much the same thing. It's like this little hectic, you know, with all these people running around papers and people are talking and they're figuring out the news, like what the yeah. fuck's going on and shit. And it's like, it's very reminiscent of Dawn of the Dead. And I absolutely love that. It just, it just adds to the realism of it because it's like, damn, we're reporting on this, man. You know, it's just, I really sound- like that aspect of it. The soundtrack is kind of, kind of similar too. like the soundtrack is really fucking like it goes with the film very well. So it does. It does. I think it works out perfect, man. This was the first time <laughs> watch for you, eh, Kyle. Yeah, it was. I I, oh, wow. I actually owned this movie, the Screen Factory release of this movie, but I never had watched it. So I popped the uh, Screen Factory release in and watched it. And this was I had never I knew what the Howling was obviously because I own it, but I never you know got around to watching it. And, Shit. Um, yeah, man, it was it was fucking good. I definitely liked this one. Well, this one a lot. <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely like Mood said. I mean, I the first thing I thought about within the first like 30 minutes of the movie, I'm like, damn, this has a really, really close. You can, I guess you could tell the, the directorial style. Maybe Joe Dante is like a really big fan of Dawn of the Dead or something. But you could just tell it just had a lot of similarities at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Uh, the way it was filmed to Dawn yeah. of the Dead. So. I, I know. It, it's so crazy, man. Um, the, the one scene in the beginning, like at the at the uh, news station, man, I love the scene where the dude is in the or he's talking in the mirror. Yeah. And he's kind of rehearsing what he's going to say. Right. And he's, you know, he's quite <laughs> clearly got like this crazy accent. But when he's ta- when he's doing his news reporting, he doesn't. He's got like this total news uh, kind of voice and things like that. Um, I love that. It's like just a huge metaphor for the whole film. You know, like just how everything is, you know, everything's kind of two faced. I love that. Yeah. You know, something I, I think that. that so subtle but it's so perfect because yeah, that's i'm the actually way the glad is. you pointed that out because i didn't even pay attention like i never made that metaphorical reference like connection which but, is pretty cool actually it, it's usually so true i catch because, stuff like that yeah because you know like you know him doing the voice and or you know getting rid of his accent and stuff like that but there's a lot going on in that scene I, i've always really enjoyed that because that's so news you know you maybe you're getting oh, truth yeah. maybe you're not right and then but it's a bigger metaphor for the whole film because of the werewolf thing but awesome scene that really good stuff by joe dante right there it just kind of sets the whole tone maybe subliminally a little bit you know you kind of you kind of you notice it but you might not pick up on it kind of thing yeah so. yeah yeah something something that was actually like when i first started when i p- first put on the film right before like as the credits were rolling at the beginning kind of telling you the actors names something i noticed that i was kind of like me being a star i know you, a lot of people don't like star trek but me being a star trek fan <laughs> is that the guy that plays um the serial killer uh i can't remember what his name was in the movie uh let's see eddie quist is what the serial murderer's name is the one that's stalking uh yeah. you know d wallace's character uh at the beginning he's actually played by robert picardo uh 
who is the doctor. Like, I just saw his name, and, like, his name always pops out to me on a lot. He's always in a lot of, like, old-school stuff, and he was the doctor on Star Trek Voyager, and he's, he was also in, like, some other shows like The Wonder Years and stuff back in the 80s. But I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy that, like, because, like, you wouldn't – he's one of those actors you don't really expect to be a serial murderer in a movie. So I was like, this is yeah. going to be kind of interesting to see him, how he works with this. And it, he actually worked pretty well, so I thought it was pretty cool. I thought the, I thought the casting with him is great, man. He's got, like, evil eyes. Yeah, something yeah. About him, he the looks way he looks really he, crazy. Like, and he, he just, doesn't look like that now. That's the weird thing about it. Like nowadays, yeah. he looks just—he's older, he's bald, and he doesn't look very crazy. But back in the like, I guess eighty-one, he looked like a fucking psychopath. So <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of random people in films, the scene where D. Wallace uh, goes into the phone booth in the beginning of the film. There. Yeah. You know the guy coming out is Roger Corman. I do. I do. <laughs> wow, know I that. That. <laughs> they they mention that in the commentary actually. In the commentary, uh, D. Wallace, another, it adds to the porno shop thing again. Like, she really expresses how completely just uncomfortable she was with that whole scene and all that stuff. And yeah, so you can definitely see it on her face. And honestly, dude, D. Wallace is kind of a weird person if you ever listen to her talk for a long time. She kind of reminds me of like a Jamie Lee Curtis, only like a little nuttier. (laughs) <laughs> she's kind of an yeah. oddball man it's weird um i you know it's funny because i when i i taught i met her you know last june and she's like very kind of peppy but like kind of she has like this weird kind of off-put spunk to her but i don't i don't really know how to explain it but i know what you're saying though there is something kind of different about d wallace <laughs> it's got yeah. it's kind of strange but it's just the way she approaches the way she says things I don't know, man. It was just like, okay, is she being real to me right now? Like, hey, how's it? like she's almost too peppy, and I'm like, are you are you fucking with me right now? <laughs> you, know, you know how you get that that I you know that from some people you're like, really? You're you're showing a little too much emotion for this moment, right? <laughs> you know. Did you, uh, did you have her sign your Howling DVD or Blu-ray? I did actually, yeah. And we talked about the Howling and stuff, and we didn't talk about the porno scene though, <laughs> which I wish I had have listened to the commentary before that, um, but. Uh, that's interesting that she was that uncomfortable in the porno scene because, yeah, I mean, I guess shooting in a real porn store, they was just it was what it was, right? So yeah. everything was already there, and you know, sex toys and sadomasochistic, uh, you know, costumes and shit like that. Yeah. So after you know, D. Wallace's character has that run in with um, Eddie. What's the Eddie? Eddie. Of course, she has a well, pretty much like a mental breakdown. Mm. she's she good at doing see- that she really looks like a type of person that would have like a down <laughs> yeah man and that's that you know that's a good point because i think the casting is good in this film for that role like she plays that perfect she actually like legitimately looks like she's kind of distraught a little bit yeah like she would you know? look like a mom that's on edge like like, like that gets stressed out real, yeah that gets stressed <laughs> out real easy like she fits that role really good she's really good at playing mom roles to begin with but you know, mm. she she fits well with that reporter who's, you know, kind of on edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then she gets basically uh, sent to or she goes to see a psychiatrist who ultimately, you know, says, you know, since you've had a, quite a uh, traumatic experience with this with this quiz guy and this whole ordeal, um, he kind of says to her, he's like, well, maybe you should go to this colony, get away from everyday life and go up there and just kind of relax and get your head straight uh, before you go to work. Um, do you guys like this setup? Yeah, you know, because yeah. I, I like the, um, you know, those woods that they use. I, I take it somewhere in L.A. 
And actually, mm-hmm. there's a Horror's Hollowed Grounds on the Blu-ray, which is pretty cool. A lot of those locations are sort of like lost. Nobody really knows where they are and oh, yeah. uh, or just gone altogether. But he did find a few places out in the woods where they filmed some of this stuff. Man, I have to say, man, like I love how they call it the colony. I just, I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, cool. it, it, it's just so perfect, man. It's just kind of subtle, but it's perfect. It just fits so well. But, man, it looks so great. The the locations that they did use for this and pretty much every scene that's shot outdoors is so fantastic in this film. Like, it really has that amazing atmosphere in, like, every scene. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, one of the, it, one of the notes never, I have is, like, lo- I, that I love the 80s, like, the, the effects and the foggy woods and stuff, like, in this film. Oh. Like, it looks so good for, like, the film. Like Joe Dante put a lot of effort into creating that nonstop atmosphere. Like it never lets up. Like even in certain scenes where you know it probably shouldn't be too uh, that atmospheric, it maintains its atmosphere. It's fantastic. Yeah. The random howling and like things that are going on and stuff, and just the way characters are approaching scenes and stuff. The direction in the film is really good. You mm-hmm. can tell that he really focused a lot on the way people approach the scenes, kind of with that kind of that melodramatic kind of you know approach to their scenes and lines and stuff, mixing with that atmosphere. It's just it's got this perfect blend of like ah, it just pulls you right in when you watch this film. It's what I love about this film. I love atmospheric films, mm-hmm. and this is the reason why. It's everything about this movie, I, movie just kind of flows perfect to me. Yeah, flows perfect. some of the woods is... Uh, it, it, what's interesting to me about like the woods is they look nothing like the woods where I am from. You know what I mean? It's just completely yeah. different types of trees and stuff like that. So, uh, And different types of, uh, you know foliage and like grass and different things so it it kind of almost has like this fantastical sense to it for me because it you know and that on top of the fog and and the different um lighting techniques and stuff like that that he uses it definitely does set up for sort of a unique viewing experience in terms of atmosphere oh yeah it feels like it should be inhabited by werewolves essentially but (laughs) yeah and and i love it too because you know you you know she goes to this colony and she's no, she's just thinking it's a getaway place kind of thing, right? But, like, the way Dante captures that atmosphere, it, he makes it feel so mysterious and eerie, and it's just, ugh, it's just fantastic. He's such a great job, man. It's kind of crazy, I, like, I lo- seeing, like, the budget to this movie, too. And, like, yeah, I guess, you know, back then, I mean, the budget was $1.5 million for this movie. It made, like, seven, almost $18 million, uh, at the box yeah. office. But it's, like, crazy yeah. that $1.5 million, like, you know, nowadays that's like nothing for a fucking movie. And like the movie still like that movie itself still holds like very, very good. You know, a lot of people want to watch it still because it looks so good because of the way they did the movies back then. So it's kind of crazy, especially like the, like you were talking about, like the scenes of like, you know, there being fog in the woods and things like that just still holds very well. Cause it's not CGI like nowadays. So it's pretty cool. Pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the scene where D Wallace and her friend, I think it's uh, Terry, um, where they're first walking in the woods there, the lighting and the fog, man, Jesus. It's like one of my favorite scenes. I absolutely love that fucking scene. It's captured so perfect, man. It's dark, but it's lit perfect. And it just, it captures everything. And it's really what the whole film is about. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just what, such a great scene, man. Ugh. What did you guys think about what I like to call the poor man's Tom Atkins? Did do you guys, do you guys see that? Or is it just me? <laughs> Big time. No, yeah. no, no. It totally, it totally is him. It's it, for sure. It's him. You know, yeah, it just feels like this guy's kind of like Tom Atkins, but he's not. 
Um, it's like but, this clone that kind of went a little wrong. Yeah. They didn't fully clone him. <laughs> it should be Tom Atkins in this movie is what it should be. Like, I feel like Tom Atkins would have been perfect for that role. <laughs> Here's we were talking about how good the casting is. I'm like, oh, Tom Atkins probably would have fit that a little better. But mm-hmm. no, I, I totally see where you're coming from. 100%. Yeah. And, but I like the guy still. I think that he's pretty cool. He's a vegetarian, which is funny, right? Because it's like yeah. a colony of were- flesh-eating like werewolves. <laughs> You know, that's something that's been done ever since this movie came out. They use that in a lot of werewolf films where like these characters are like they'll they'll make a point of saying that, uh, oh, he's a vegetarian. And it's just like a total prelude to what's coming. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but I mean, it was done right in this film. But they use this and not just in the howling films. I think they actually do it in a couple other films, too. They refer to people as vegetarians and then whatever yeah he um, goes hunting like, with the the crew and he's like shooting rabbits and shit and it's like this is a pretty damn mean vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> i love i love the scene when uh d wall's talking to a friend she's like i thought i thought he was a vegetarian and he's just mowing he's down just, on yeah this, this is after rib. he gets post turned into a werewolf and he's like oh you know what? I, i'll eat anything if i'm hungry enough mm, right <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so good <laughs> yeah uh super funny stuff there and uh you know, it's kind of interesting the way that um, the the this what I, it's like the sister and the brother like Eddie he's like his sister is um she has her own like little cabin thing out there right yeah yeah that's his sister right yeah, yeah. um her her thing is like really kind of creepy like the whole the way that her uh, cabin's all set up and stuff and it. It, mm-hmm. It's like odd that it's just like out. In the, it just feels like out in the center of like nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah, her character is so mysterious and odd. Mm-hmm. She's like an oddball character, but I like her though. She actually passed away. That girl did she? Wow, yeah, I think I she. That. I think she died in. I want to say in the nineties. I think she actually posed in Playboy too. I think she was a Playboy model, but she died in like the nineties or something like that from cancer, which is mm, that's shitty, rough. but. Yeah, um, yeah, it sucks, but uh, yeah, man, I, you know, one scene in this film is so funny when uh, I think it's Terry uh, when Terry's talking to Karen on the phone and she's talking about like the uh, the werewolf bite and it's like playing on TV. Oh, yeah, you guys know the scene I'm yeah, talking yeah. about when it's yeah. like it's explaining on the TV, you know, what's what or that Terry's Terry and her boyfriend are watching at the time. It's like explain when you get bit by a werewolf, you know, you turn into what like, oh, you're talking about from the Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah. From the Wolfman. Right. Because yeah. Terry's talking to Karen on the phone and Karen's explaining to like Terry, like, OK, something's going on. Blah, blah, blah. My uh, werewolf. That, yeah. that scene. And, it's, <laughs> and it, yeah. And it's like explaining it to you from the TV. Yeah. Yeah, from Wolfman. I love that scene, man. It's yeah, kind of no, That's great. I love that they threw in like the Wolfman, which is weird because this is MGM and the Wolfman was universal. So I don't know how they got that. That's yeah, kind of weird. I was wondering the exact same thing, actually. That's pretty interesting. There's, yeah. like, funny things like that all throughout this film. Like, Joe Tante showing his sense of humor, and it's very subtle. Like, there's a bunch of random scenes in, in this film, like, you, that you could easily miss. Like, you could probably miss that. I mean, that one's a little more in your face, but there's a scene where I think I think at Terry, again, she's in uh, in one of those uh, cabins. I think in the, the sister's cabin, and uh, she's kind of searching through things, and she comes across a can of chili, and it's called Wolf Chili. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They mentioned <laughs> just that. Random, the <laughs> just random place things in the film, and like, that's Joe Dante. It's it's clever. It's super clever. That's funny. So, One of the uh, things that I always like in film, and I think you know, last week we talked about uh, types of uh, 
things that can instantly elevate your film or it was the week before. And one of the things that I always think that really helps is the use of foreshadowing, which Joe Dante does a lot in, in the Howling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I personally have seen him do in other films and I've seen many directors do it as well is they place a cartoon on TV that has something to do with the future uh, play out of the film, meaning he shows a cartoon of like a werewolf or, or a wolf uh, yep. after something. And Joe Dante is an absolute like cartoon addict. <laughs> like he, he's just like this historian, like encyclopedia of like old cartoons. I've heard people say this before where he'll just like pull out like references to like random ass cartoons from like the forties or something. And uh, you, yeah, it's a strange thing. Yeah. He, he has a huge collection of old cartoons and stuff and he, he always places them in his films. But that's just something that it's super simple, right? Yeah. To have this for you know, even in Elm Street with the the them reading and you see this done so often that they're, they're reading some poem or some story or something that is about dreams. Yeah. It's just this this extra layer of filmmaking that is completely lost with indie films. It, it most of the time today, um, sometimes it's. You know, sometimes you see it and you're like, see, like these people going above and beyond trying, trying to add layers to their films. And uh, I, I always yeah, appreciate exactly. that. And Joe yeah. Dante is really good at it. That is the problem with a lot of, you know, films today and stuff. They're just so one dimensional. Yeah, they just don't you know, they don't take time. They don't just. They, yeah, one dimensional exactly. is like the best word for it. They just don't yeah. add those layers yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everything's about the CGI nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. You know, speaking of effects and stuff, um, that's one thing about this movie that I've always really enjoyed, too. I mean, it seems like most people tend to, you know, put this one as like a number two with, um, you know, compared to uh, American Werewolf in London, the, uh, you know, the transformation scenes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy the transformation scenes. It's not as good as um, uh, American Werewolf in London scene, of course, but I like the way they did this film. You know, like some werewolf films, you know, they get into the werewolf right away. You'll see the werewolves and things like that. But this one, they managed to, like, conceal the identity of the werewolf until pretty much, like, the third act. Mm -hmm. There's you know, actually a really good jump scare where she's, like, in mm -hmm. a fouling cabinet and then the werewolf, like, hands her a file or something. Most of the time you would think that that would be cheesy. Yeah. But it – I remember the first time I watched it, it literally made me jump. It's, it's a great jump scare. I uh, absolutely yeah, yeah. love it. And, you know, that's that's around the same time where you're actually starting to see these like transformations and stuff. It is late into the film where you actually see it. But one of the interesting things about the effects moods is the guy was it Rick Baker. I can't remember who was originally doing the effects, but left to go do them yeah. on American Werewolf in London. That's right. Yeah. So there are some still really good effects. Like I like the nails, how they grow out of the hands, uh, the pulsating mm -hmm. Uh, like the bladder pack things that they use for like the pulsating like bubbles man. and shit. I always love that. It's it's a pretty too, simple man. effect that always turns out well. I know, and that that's exactly what it is. It's it's a very simple effect that people just don't use anymore. Yeah. They won't take the time to, even to do that simple effect, and it looks it looks cool. It's effective. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are oh, it's too dated, blah blah blah, and stuff like that. But no, I think it it adds a lot to the film, man. I I just love the way that they kind of they kind of build up like this film is a little bit slower. You know, it's in it a is. sense, it is like a slow burn and stuff, but yeah. I think I always say the pacing is really good because it does have a lot of character development. That does have a lot of progressive scenes. Like the whole film is being progressive and it's, you know, accompanied with that great atmosphere and just, 
you know, just really good scenes. And um, when you finally do get the reveal, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's a really good payoff. You know. So, I mean, I've heard people say, yeah, this movie's way too it's way too uh, slow and, you know, it's kind of boring and stuff. I don't think it's boring at all. I mean, I don't know how you can sit there and watch this visually and say it's boring because it's so cool to look at. Like, every scene is fantastic. Yeah, one of, one of the things I notated, and I know you guys have already kind of talked about it, was was the effects. Like, I was, like, so, like, stoked on the effects. Like, you know, the, the transformation scene when I saw it, I thought it was really, I mean, I thought it looked pretty fucking cool that I was like, damn, like this movie itself, like not just that, but like a lot of the things that were going on in this movie, like we were talking about originally kind of reminded me of Dawn of the Dead and that kind of felt, you know, style of filmmaking and even the storyline of this just kept me involved in the movie. Like I didn't, I didn't find myself getting bored or like, it. I was always interested to see what was going to happen. And, you know, the effects were kind of a plus because I was like, you know, when the transformation scene happened, I was like, wow, that's, that's actually pretty cool looking for, you know, it to be a film from 81. Like, it's kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy. I was like, damn, I didn't really expect it when it was good, when, when it actually happened. And yeah. so, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I, I absolutely that- love stuff like that. There, speaking of effects, again, there's actually was a stop motion scene film that was like never really inserted into the film. Oh, really? It took a really long yeah. time, actually. <laughs> it's part of special features, I guess. Yeah, I've watched him a long time. I can't really remember. I didn't watch commentaries, though. But, um, you know, to me, I always felt like the the werewolves look kind of, well, in a sense, quote, unquote, realistic. I mean, we can't really say realistic because there's no such thing. But, you know, if they were if there was werewolves, do you think possibly they could look like this? Mm, You know, to me, I think they look they look a little more like how they should look it, yeah just to me that's just the way they should look you know in like some werewolf films they just look too almost too human or they just look way too over the top yeah you know, yeah well, sometimes kind of has there's this, sort it, of it like your like, three it, different kind like i mentioned before there's your bipedal like uh mixture of werewolf human and then there's your wolfman which is bipedal which is mostly human yeah and then there's your yeah. ridiculous like complete actual wolf which is like mm. ginger snaps yeah yeah yeah, I, know, I just kind of get that feel. It's like, yeah, my favorite weird. type of werewolves are like these and like dog soldiers. Those are those are kind of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I'd like to, to kind of compare like I take a movie like a newer like werewolf movie like late phases. The werewolves in that movie were like the movie was very good, but the werewolves were very they're obviously CGI, but they just looked over the fucking top. Like movies like this from like the eighties that had that practical, you know, look to them. Like, I don't know. It just makes you feel like you're more, uh, you know, it's a little bit more scarier to me because it, it's a, I guess it's more, if werewolves did exist, this could possibly be what they, you know, somewhat look like. They're not going to look like, you know, well, I don't know. Yeah, man. The more believable, the more scary it is. Yeah, exactly. Right? When something's when something's over the top, you kind of look at it and it becomes comical. And and that's one thing about this film is that there's really there's no, you know, just ridiculous comedy in the film. There's like subtle funny moments and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing about this film. The whole tone of the <laughs> film is super serious, and it has these very subtle moments and stuff. So if you had like a really goofy werewolf, they would just kind of ruin it. I think they did it perfect, man. They made this kind of realistic looking werewolf. I think it fits perfect. Fits yeah. Absolutely perfect in the film. They, they do some interesting weirdo stuff with, uh, there's a transformation scene when the, uh, lead male and the weird sister girl from out in the woods is having sex. Yeah. 
and they start doing this like almost like shell shaded like weird animation filter over it and i was i just like i don't really know what that's supposed to be or like why like why that stylistic choice like it looks fine and it looks cool i just i'm just like not sure what it's supposed to convey it's totally like a product of his time too right when you see that you go yeah, that's early 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's kind of funny, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean, though. Um, it's kind of, I don't weird. really know what, I don't know what that effect is, actually, to be yeah. honest. Like, I don't really know much about visual effects and stuff in the films and the proper terms for them, but yeah, it, it kind um, of reminded me almost of like a, um, like Native American type thing, like a yeah, yeah. cave painting type deal. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird thing. I don't know if it was supposed to, reference or like convey or, or be of like a reason that's kind of over my head if anybody knows let me know <laughs> i love that scene though man yeah no, it's a good where scene. she kind of she lures them in and stuff and i remember actually reading somewhere where i guess she was told that during that sex scene they weren't really going to show a whole lot of her they were going to film it behind the fire which they did right but there is a scene where she takes off all her clothes and she's kind of next to the fire and you can well she's it's full frontal nudity Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, but she was told originally that she would be it would be filmed like that, but she'd be more behind the fire and you wouldn't be able to see anything. <laughs> <laughs> sneaky, sneaky bastards, because they snuck in a muff shot there. That was pretty good. <laughs> but I love the way that scene's filmed, though. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. It looks great. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I think kind of winding down on the first Howling film, it's an interesting one because there's not really a whole lot to actually say about the film. Because it's a very simple story, right? There's oh, yeah. not really many twists and turns, or there's it's really a lot of you're just spending time with these people at this retreat, and you turn it turns out there's werewolves there. Very it's easy pretty to much follow. it. Yeah, yeah. But as you look further, there are these few scenes of like uh, foreshadowing, and a few scenes of like in jokes, like the wolf chili and the Roger Corman uh, cameo, because you know, as everybody knows, that's how Joe Dante got his start was Roger Corman. <laughs> And uh, there's all these different, yeah. you know, little things like the jokes where he's like a vegetarian, but he starts eating meat and stuff. But it, it, it's like, I mean, the only other things that I really love is like the Dick Miller stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. you got to mention mm-hmm. Dick Miller. Dick Miller is the man of a thousand cameos, man of a thousand faces, whatever you want to call him. I believe he was even in uh, one of the Children of the Corn sequels. <laughs> yeah, Dick Miller's uh, fucking awesome, man. Yeah, he's like great. you cannot not love this guy. He just has yeah. this charisma and this presence that anytime you see him, you're like, fuck yeah, Dick Miller's in this. At least this movie's got something going on. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love this guy. I've always loved him. I've always known his face way before I knew what he was from. You know, I would see him in Gremlins. I would see him in this other film. I'd see him in this other film. And I, I just knew him, but I never knew who he was growing up, but I always liked him. And, you know, dude, I, I, I seriously think that the, he's one of the most, like, underrated, like, just people on in film because he's done so fucking much he's just one of those guys that like you know you see him around in a lot of things and he's like what's that guy's name but you know you you recognize him and you like him but you're like what's that guy's name he's he always strikes me as someone like that man Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah but uh you know one thing about this movie that i've always kind of enjoyed it's very it's kind of underlined it's like a it's kind of like an undertone to the film, but it's like it's very political with the uh, with the werewolves, too. It's like, you know, the whole idea of the werewolf colony and what they're doing out there and stuff, because they're not really 
100% sure what they want to do. You know, mm-hmm. they, if they actually want to convert these humans into werewolves or just flat out fucking eat them. Yeah, well, you there's know, kind of also kind of, that, like, battle between, like, oh, we're going to not eat people. We're going to eat cattle. And exactly. some of the werewolves are like, no, fuck that. That goes against our nature. Uh, but yeah. they don't they, – they kind of just shove it in there, it feels like to me. You know, if I'm going to be a little critical of it, I feel like it's – that's just something that's kind of shoved in there. And there's – they really didn't go into well, it all that much. I Yeah, because I don't think it was like overly that important. It was just kind of like an internal struggle within. You know, like the doctor, he's basically the recruiter for this colony. Mm-hmm. And like he has this idea, right? He's kind of like the leader. And of course, everyone else that's under him has their own ideas of what they want to accomplish and things like that. So, you know, the underlying message is there, but it's not the main focus. The main focus is about our main characters, not about, you know, the political under means of this colony of werewolves, you yeah. know? It's not really a big thing, but I do I, I do understand where you're coming from, JP. I could totally think that, you know, I understand you think it's just kind of thrown in there, not explained, but I think it's for good reason. I think if they went into it too much, it would probably take away from what the actual point is, you know? I don't know. Of the movie. Maybe, but I, don't, I, don't really I mean, I've seen, we've seen it done, like, this is kind of a little bit ahead of its time, but we've seen, we've sort of seen that with many vampire and werewolf films from you know, then on out. I mean, there's a lot of films that deal with people who want to be like, who want to survive and, and resist those animalistic natures and instead do it the, the, the hard way, uh, like something like blade, you know, it's, it's very similar. Like yeah. this guy doesn't want to yeah. kill people and, and eat them. He wants to use like the different methods, which aren't as good and more aren't as like powerful and it doesn't satisfy the craving quite as much, but it's more better for humanity. And I think that I think that there it was more of a focus for that point, though. in here. That I think I, I don't I see that there's like there's plenty of time we spend. I think that there could have been more on that. I don't think it would have took away from anything. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's plenty there. It's just it's very subtle in scenes, you know, just with the characters and their dialogue and you know certain things that are said in the film and you know uh, you know certain personal you know kind of battles and stuff that are going on in the film within the story. I think it's there, and I, I, I kind of like how it's a little more subtle. You know, sometimes I don't really need things just shoved in my face. Like, I understood what was going on. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's a very typical political thing. You know, it's just, it's, it's their own society, and they have their own issues. Yeah, just I'm not like, saying you know, it needed to be shoved in your face or anything. I'm just saying that there's more to that dynamic that you could oh, explore. Sure. And, you know, for there's sure. something else that kind of... I don't know if it bugs me or it just feels like a little off. It it feels like the characters who go and get the silver bullets from Dick Miller, it feels like they just sort of do this out of nowhere. And like, I know that there's conversations between them, but they really just feel like they are also just inserted into the film. Uh, it, It just plays real weird to me. It always has. I don't know. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very undeveloped before they go and grab those bullets. Yeah. Like, oh, we got bullets. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is so, so – like when he mentions the silver bullets, it is so like shoved into the film. Like, oh, I know what these are for. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, yeah, some guy left silver bullets and never came and picked them up. You know? It's just like, oh, wow. Like yeah, you already <laughs> have not be any more like, in your face about that. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know, know, it would make a little more sense if like this colony was a little w- more well known. But that would be stupid to the film because it's not. It's like a secret colony, right? So how the hell would he know what these are for? 
oh, just by chance he knows that there's a colony of werewolves somewhere? <laughs> it's like, I don't think so. No one thinks yeah, like that. Doubtful. No one ever thinks like that. It's just ridiculous. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. And it's kind just, of a minor plot hole. Just the idea yeah, that there's fucking silver ass bullets just hanging around. <laughs> Uh, I mean yeah. th- that that type of plot, plot holes nothing compared to like part eight, with the stupid amount of plot holes that are in that fucking movie. But you know th- this this one you know it is what it is. Yeah, I mean it's very eighties. Like that type of thing is very eighties to just like like oh we're gonna need silver bullets for the final act. Oh we'll just, just put them. Oh here we have to let them know that they, like they can't just come out of nowhere. So that we're gonna have to put them in the shop. But. It's just that so blatant. It's just that, random. You know, it's, yeah. it's just not. It's not smooth. You know, it's just inserted in there, not smoothed out. Uh, there's ways to do it, but uh, maybe it was an afterthought. Um, it's like, oh, we should probably uh, put these somewhere so it makes sense that they have them. Uh, yeah, and yeah, show the viewer <laughs> that you know they actually got silver bullets from somewhere and they didn't just yeah. have them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been a little more ridiculous. Random. Yeah, it definitely yeah. could have been done a little bit better, but that, that's pretty much my only like negative criticisms yeah i mean i get that i get that i don't really have a whole lot on the film no i'm I'm ready to rate now if you guys are major criticisms but uh uh yeah i mean if you guys is is that everything yeah that's all i have to say I mean, right. I, I'm agreeing with you guys pretty much on the whole. I mean, like I said, it was a first time watch for me. So, I mean, I know you guys have probably seen this movie several times. So you can probably I've seen like some of the little things this that, year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm sure that like with all the little things you guys are noticing, like, you know, the little placements of the cartoon. Like, I didn't notice a lot of that stuff just because it's a first time watch and mm-hmm. you don't really look for that sometimes. I mean, you notice it, but then you forget it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, I completely agree. Like the whole silver bullet thing was really I didn't really even notice that. But kind of looking back on it now, yeah, it was kind of a plot hole. But well, yeah, well, that's that's the fun of podcasting, right? That's the fun of reviewing things is sometimes you learn things. That's why I'm pretty sure that's why most people listen to our reviews is like sometimes they probably don't notice things or they learn about things. I do listen to moods like he mentioned the uh the metaphor early on in the film that I completely went over my head with the guy trying to speak in these different tones of voices. That's fake. So, I mean, yeah, of course it's fun to learn things. Yeah. Actually, one thing I did want to bring up though, is the ending since we are spoiling and things like that. Cause you know, we should probably talk about the ending cause it is yeah. relatable to part two. What are your guys' thoughts on the ending of this film? You mean the very like, ending in the newsroom? Yeah. Like that scene, that scene right there, not yeah. the joke that comes after. Uh, but do you, do you th- I, I mean, honestly, I understand completely because it makes sense to her character. You know, she's very strong and she just she she's a reporter. Mm-hmm. So by showing the world what she is, you know, she's reporting. And that's really what her job is. And to me, it makes complete sense. She just kind of becomes like a almost like a martyr at that moment. You know, just like willing to sacrifice herself because she knows that she's going to get shot. Right. Yeah. And yeah. she's setting herself up for disaster. But by doing this, she wants to also prove that. You know, or show to the world that this is what exists out there. Like you know, I, and, and I, yeah, I mean, she actually is a martyr at that point. Like that—that's <laughs> a good reference because, like, that's exactly what she's doing. She's like sacrificing yeah. herself for something that she believes should think, be seen. I, I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily like how the scene goes down, but I think it's no, perpendicular. Like, like it. 
it doesn't make much sense for the character. sequel, but like I, I <laughs> no. personally think it goes well for like the time period of when the movie came out. But like I feel like if this that was done in like a like a newer werewolf film, like nowadays, like people would just kind of think like you know, okay, this is on TV, it's probably not real. Like people nowadays in real life, like I guess back then in the eighties, like if somebody saw that kind of shit on TV, they'd be like, what the fuck? Because they you know the computers, the whole CGI thing was not even a thing back then. But nowadays, like in real life, if you actually put it in like like a realistic setting, people will be like, okay, that's kind of dumb because that could be like fake. I mean, somebody could have just well, put that on. I guarantee you, if that ever happened, nobody would ever believe it was real in 2015. Ever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, like, there would be no way. Everybody would be making yeah. videos disproving it. For the it. movie like, and the time frame, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah that's why know, it works that, so much. I like it. I mean, it's something different. Yeah. I, it does feel a little weird considering like the full, like, climactic. climactic escape and like the the whole you know end scene and then it kind of just like oh well never mind it, none of that really even mattered yeah i mean for the for the exposure i, I, I guess yeah i guess yeah. it i guess it fits i mean i like the, I, I i like how it went down i guess i i don't mm-hmm. i don't love it i just like it is what i'm trying yeah. to say I think I I personally think it fits perfect because she's a reporter and that's kind of what her duty yeah. is. So, but uh, you know you got that and then, I mean honestly, dude, the the scene that follows that in the bar is it fucking funny to me, man. I always laugh at that scene so much because you know it seems so out of place because it's just so blatantly funny. But then again, it's like it's completely what real people would say. That conversation is is so reminiscent of what real people would say in that situation. It's like the dude is like, ah, oh, great special effects. And he's like, and the one dude's like, no, nah, that was real. He's like, you're yeah. plastered. And he's yeah. like, doesn't mean it wasn't real. <laughs> I love that scene, man, because yeah. it's totally a real conversation. Because people would say that, and I'd be like, oh, that, that looked really good. Really good mm-hmm. special effects. That's what I would so, say. I mean, that's just it's brilliant by Joe Dante to throw that in there because yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought to bring up the ending. But uh, yeah, who wants to go first on the ratings? I'll go first. Uh, so the howling is a film that I've, I believe I've rated multiple times on the podcast before. And I believe the first rating I ever gave was an eight. And then I watched it again and I also gave it an eight and surprise, surprise, no change. It is an eight out of 10. (sighs) Yeah, man. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know you're already super Uh, high on it. Oh, it's my favorite werewolf film. I love this movie to death. I think it's just it works on all I levels. I think for me. it makes my top five now. Mm. Yeah, Kyle, what do you think um, of this one? I really liked it. I really liked it uh, mainly because of like the directorial, I guess, style of it. Um, I, I I thought it was really really neat. I like the I like the effects in it. Um, the storyline kept me going. Like I was very interested. I just like movies from this time period. Period. Like like there's really not a lot of movies from like the early 80s that you know I've watched and just really. I mean a lot of really good pop, kind of more popular because this is to me is a more popular horror movie. At least I consider it a more popular like old school horror movie because I've heard, I've always heard of the Howling. Yeah, it's a classic. Seen it. Um, and it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was freaking awesome. I gave it I gave it a nine out of ten. Cool. Yeah, um, like I've stated many times, this movie to me is like pretty much exactly what I'm looking for in a werewolf film. I don't want a goofy, I want a great atmosphere. I want good looking, you know, realistic werewolves, um, cool characters. And I honestly, I'm a big fan of like slow burn films. So 
this all mixed up to me is relatively almost like a perfect film. There is things in the film that are definitely like the silver bullet thing, mm-hmm. you know, subconsciously. Yeah. I was like, okay, probably could explain that a little more, <laughs> but uh, you know, those, those are like very, very minor things to me. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I have a long history with this film. I've watched it so many fucking times. I just, I love it. I simply love it. So I am sticking to my rating of nine and a half out of 10. And, you know, honestly, I don't even remember what I'd rated this film when I first reviewed it, like back on my 81 series. I should go go back and check those. See if they like changed over time. I mean, you obviously do, right, JP? You go back and check your ratings. And Oh, yeah. I, I keep a list of everything that I rate. And I, if it changes, I'll go with my newest rating. That actually, when I was doing the ratings for the top uh, 10 show when I was posting them on the site. One of your ratings actually changed, I believe. I can't remember which one it was, though. Um, but I think it went higher or lower. I can't really remember. But So hmm. uh, 9.5 on this one. I, I honestly expected that or a 10. I know how much you love this film. Um, hmm. I, like, you know personally that I've said that I didn't even like this film the first time I seen it. So it definitely, you know, over the years, I've I've definitely became more, like, in tune with it and enjoy it more. Uh, maybe maybe in the future I'll even like it more, but for right now mine's in eight still. I know I almost had a coronary the first time you said that you didn't really care for the film. <laughs> it it actually shocked me because it seemed like the type of film that I would think that you would really like, you know. So it was just it was very shocking to me. So what about you, Cal? Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I I, I like the film. Like I said, the first time watch nine. I think a nine out of ten is a pretty pretty good rating for this film. I mean, it definitely. Was I mean I could see myself revisiting this movie several times. I mean I definitely want to check out all the special features on the on the Blu-ray now. I didn't get a chance to check them all out or check any of them out really. It's actually one of the more stacked editions out of the first you know twenty or thirty Scream Factories. It's definitely probably the best in terms of special features out of the ones that I've seen, which like I said are about the first twenty or thirty. Yeah, I was gonna say I noticed that there was a lot of lot of stuff on the Blu-ray. I just didn't get it. With all us watching eight films, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear the commentary on this. Like now that we're not having to kind of rush yeah. to watch all these yeah. films. But. You know what? Also, also, Kyle, is there's a little feature that actually it's like a mini documentary of all the Howling films. The producer just goes through and talks about uh, yeah. each of the Howling films, which that's actually a really cool special feature. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I gotta check out the commentary sometime. I always say that I'm going to, and I never do. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. I'm the same way. <laughs> I, mean, I usually I usually really like to check out commentaries for films that I love, love. So this would be good. This one I, I could see myself actually checking out, but probably should have done it this week. <laughs> it would have been like the ideal time. But then again, eight films. Yeah, I don't know. Not don't a lot know. of time for all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But moving along into the year of 1985. So four years later, uh, we get the first sequel of many in the Howling franchise. And uh, this one right here is directed by Philip Mora, who ultimately ended up directing part two and part three. Um, And this one (laughs) starring Christopher Lee. Now I know there is a story to why Christopher Lee actually took this role and I can't fully remember it. And I wish I had done the research on it because I just remembered right now that I should have done that. But it's because he apparently turned down a role in maybe a Dante film or some other film. And then he, this was kind of a favor to do this sequel. That's how we got, that's like kind of the short and long or the whatever about it. But there is a reason why Christopher Lee's in this film. 
Because huh. generally, you know, he doesn't just go, yeah, man, Howling 2. <laughs> okay, let's do role. it. But I'm pretty sure he's doing a favor for somebody because he felt bad about something. And that's ultimately how he got cast in this film. But um, we got Sybil Danning in this film. Luscious breasts. Oh, yes. Those boobs, man. I just sometimes <laughs> want to put my yeah. face in there. <laughs> Your sister is a werewolf is the, uh, you know, uh, part of the title, actually, which it's like yeah. the Howling 2 dot 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 your sister is a werewolf which i also know it also goes under the like werewolf bitch or something like that she bitch or something werewolf bitch yeah which howling to sturbia werewolf bitch i think that that's pretty fucking fitting because yeah that's is. a funny title for a funny movie yeah right your sister is a werewolf just sounds it sounds kind of it's just cheesy and bad but you but yeah that's Howling 2, a young man whose sister was murdered by werewolves, referring to part one, helps an investigator track down a gang of the monsters through the United States and Europe. <laughs> so this movie actually does have a little bit of continuity. Yeah, to it's, it, which... it's really the only one that has continuity with the first film, at least. And, uh, you know, it... it just to comment on something you mentioned a second ago, it was actually Christopher Lee who was in Gremlins 2 who apologized to Joe Dante for being in the sequel and not the first one or something like that. Yeah, because he was supposed to, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. I knew it had something to do with Dante. and Yeah, okay. But yeah, wow. Um, so yeah, so this beginning of the movie basically starts out with, uh, with Karen's brother um, attending... Uh, her funeral yeah right it seems so. like they ignore the part where she turned into a werewolf on live tv though yeah they kind of did even though they do show the brother well he doesn't believe that his sister had turned into a werewolf because that's where christopher lee's character comes in um so her brother shows up at his sister's funeral christopher lee's there and he does have an agenda he wants to hunt down the the queen of werewolves because well he's got an agenda yeah. <laughs> you know yeah right he's got an agenda but that's how that, that ties into it so he hooks up with karen's brother uh ultimately they do kind of show him what had happened on tv and do and that reenactment scene is so fucking funny oh like man. just the effects like they don't use the original footage they actually reenact it and it's just oh my god it's so cheesy and funny yeah. it's just bad it's so bad but ultimately these two pair up along with her brother's girlfriend and they make their way over to into Eastern Europe, into Bratislava, I think. Or no, they're in Romania. No, where are they? I, actually, I actually don't know. But it is not oh, Dee Wallace making an appearance as uh, the uh, white character again. She is uh, recast. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that's something of note. Uh, it would have been cool if they could have got Dee Wallace to lay in the coffin or whatever and be the, like the actual dead person. That would have been cool. Yeah. But what do you, what do you expect, man? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny how like in the first movie they were trying to do continuity with this movie, but in the first movie it's like the werewolves were like very unknown, but they were in this colony, but not a lot of they were kind of like no one really talked like or knew kind of what was going on. But in this movie it's like all right, we're gonna go hunt these motherfuckers down, yeah, 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 like they all know where they're at and shit. And it's I don't know, it's kind of odd. Well, like, the thing is, like, the, the general public in America doesn't really know a whole lot about the werewolf situation. See, Christopher Lee has a direct connection with the the queen, which is Sybil Danny's character of mm -hmm. Sturbia. 
he's got a direct connection. So there is an ultimate, there is an agenda that is, you know, comes out in the third act of why he is ultimately hunting her down because he wants to stop this whole, this werewolf type race and things like that. So yeah, you know, the storyline is, it's pretty fucking cheesy. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) like actually one of the notes I put was storyline. Very cheesy was in my notes. (laughs) I've always said, I always said this is like one of the most typical sequels to a, like a, you know, a fantastic classic film, you always get something like this. You know, we referred to Children of the Corn 2, mm-hmm. um, which isn't as cheesy as, you know, the Howling 2 to this, you know, the original one. Yeah. But it's very is... of the 80s to do some shit like that. Oh, yeah. But this one is completely different all around. Like this one has a really cheesy premise. It's really very lighthearted. You know, mm-hmm. it's got nothing but gags throughout the film. The gore is just ridiculously funny in this film, yeah. too. Over the top characters, uh, just a lot of ridiculousness. Like, I mean, this one is so fucking 80s from the synth soundtrack to the <laughs> the werewolf sex orgies to. <laughs> oh, my God. This one has it all. It's just so. You, you know what else is very man. cheesy, man? Is they do this thing, and I've always hated this in films. And I just, for some reason, it's always bugged me unless it's a certain type of movie, like a comic book movie, like Swamp Thing or something like that. But they do these transitions where the screen will like turn into a diamond and like come out, and then you'll go to the next scene, or it'll be like a bunch of bot. Like, I just cannot stand that type of editing. I have it so cheesy. I have it capitalized, man. Like, it's funny to do that in your YouTube videos, but when you're making a movie, (laughs) it's like, but the funny thing is, they don't just do it once or twice. It's like in tons of transition scenes. It's like diamond and out, or it's it's turning the page. Yeah, (laughs) it it makes sense in a film like Creepshow, or a film where it's supposed to be like a comic book. A comic book, yeah, exactly. this it, it instantly takes you out of the film because it lets you know you're watching a movie because it's a it's an editing technique that is not yeah. free flowing. It literally catches your attention, which is exactly what you don't want in a movie that you're supposed yeah. to be into. Exactly. <laughs> I've always exactly. hated when movies do that. It's a, it almost lessens the quality immediately. It feels cheap and generic. You know, it feels amateur. Well, this film is already cheap and generic and yeah. you know very amateur as it is. And it, the, the tone of the film is just so goofy. It's mm-hmm. such a goofy tone to the film. It's so it's so ridiculous. So I think having those really ridiculously cheesy transitions kind of – it doesn't add to the film. It just makes it even more laughable because, yeah. again, like you noted, it's noticeable to the yeah. point where you're – we're talking about it. We just talked for two minutes about transitions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like – it's so funny how everything about this movie is so cheesy and really, really bad – like for a sequel, it's a terrible sequel. If you take this movie on its own, it, it's just fun to kind of watch and play with. But man, yeah, when we kind of alluded to the so bad it's good, I think this oh, one kind of falls into that category yeah. a little bit. It definitely this is, falls into this. <laughs> this one category. is definitely so bad it's good. I mean, this movie doesn't take itself serious at all. I mean, I mean, oh my god, the scene where the dude's eyes pop out of his head. Like, that, the oh my crack, God, that still it, to this day, it still kills me every time I see that scene. It just <laughs> makes me well, laugh so hard. Right away. The early scene where you have the <clears throat> that group of people with the black werewolf chick and like they're in this. Where are they even at? But it's just like it feels so 80 cheese right there. Oh, like in that warehouse? Yeah. Or like that abandoned warehouse? Yeah. Yeah. That whole scene is just ugh, it's ridiculous. Like it just kind of comes about too. it's like. Where, why is everyone in yeah, here? Like, yeah, these guys all of a sudden hanging. it feels like we're watching like a class of 1999 movie or something. I know, like, like these low life, you know, kind of street trash are just kind of hanging out in there and she's, yeah, 
hang out in here too and then shit starts going down you're like so it was cool to hang out in warehouses <laughs> back in 1985 apparently you know oh, it's fucking so cheesy <laughs> i remember I, I on my notes i notated just the soundtrack was you know super 80s soundtrack and then i put like you know the, the plot like we we're talking about earlier is extremely all over the place and cheesy like it jumps like the transitions you guys are talking about i remember seeing that too and noticing it i was like oh, it's wow. like such a weird and annoying like between scenes to see that and I was just like, Oh geez. Like <laughs> the uh. transitions basically sum up the whole entire tone of the film. Yeah. It's just, it's laughable. Yeah, it it's really very, is. It's a very laughable film. And I don't know. You, you know I, what though, man, I will say this is my first time watching it. I had a lot of fun watching it, yeah. but I'm looking at my notes and I wrote down things that I don't even know what they were referenced to. Like I wrote down something about a bat. And I can't even remember what that's from. <laughs> oh, like, like the cheesy bat scene? Well, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, you, you're probably – yeah, just with the bats. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know like, you're This film about. literally just like disintegrated in my memory like after watching all the other ones. There really wasn't much to write down other than the plot about this. Like my notes basically say Christopher Lee, paranormal, paranormal investigator, thinks main woman's sister is a werewolf. She's dead. Follows punks and black werewolf. Brother wants <laughs> to avenge werewolf. sister's death. Try to kill Sturba in Transylvania. Soundtrack is 80s and cheesy. Plot is all over the place. That's it. That's essentially my notes too. Shitty acting. <laughs> yeah. I mean – yeah, shitty. You know, a lot of people are like, man, why did why did Christopher Lee, you know, do this shit? He was so horrible in the film. He was so horrible. No, Christopher Lee was actually pretty good in the film. He's Christopher yeah, he Lee. You can pretty much, Christopher Lee is good in anything, though. I mean, like, he, your, your film's instantly going to be a little yeah. elevated if you have Christopher Lee in there. Oh, exactly. He's by far the best actor in this film. I think yeah. the guy, I think the main or the brother in this film, I believe he was, did he not play Captain America? later on i have no idea but i didn't I like think, that guy really no he's a terrible actor he's so bad and his girlfriend absolutely terrible too like there's just oh some of the acting in this film is just atrocious something i will say about this film is i remember back in the day when i used to go to blockbuster to rent movies i remember when vhs was the thing in like the 90s or early 90s i remember seeing the cover of this movie and from like i remember always thinking that the cover of this movie just is dumb like i, I don't know <laughs> if you guys would agree but like the poster i'm looking at it right now of just it's a woman's face with like vampire looking teeth and two fingers going through the poster i just think it looks it makes the film not feel like a horror movie it looks cheesy as fuck. Like I used to see this one in the video store as well, and partly the reason why I would always skip it is because I haven't seen the first one. But second, it was because it just looked uninteresting to me. Yeah, it doesn't. The poster does not do. I mean, the poster does it justice, but it doesn't really make you like feel like grabbing it and renting it or. Yeah, buying basically, it. what Kyle's saying is the poster is representative of the film, but it doesn't trick you into buying it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, Wild Eye is like a huge <laughs> example of the covers of movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are great looking, but then you watch it, and you're like, eh, this movie probably I, it sucks. <laughs> but like this film's like poster like directly represents the film. Like you rent it, and you're like, eh, yeah, I probably should have went off of what it looked like on the fucking cover of the VHS. But I don't. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to notate that. Yeah, it, you know, it, it has this like. 80s sleaziness to it a little bit with the the amount of nudity and stuff. Like I remember the when Sybil Danning is with the black chick 
and her like titty is just like hanging out the top of her thing and i'm just like okay <laughs> dude i never understood that like why she was just she comes up to her and her boobs hanging out like yeah it's just anywhere it's just, just pure sleaze it's like the director's like i think we need a boob in this scene it's like well it doesn't make sense yeah. it's like oh i'll say the top of it <laughs> i know it's so awesome <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah one one thing about this film that always makes me laugh though man is the is the werewolf makeup you know what the werewolf like how the werewolves look in this they look so scraggly and shitty like super b-movie type werewolves like yeah oh the budget was so low they just look so bad but again it adds it just fuels you know the tone of this film of cheesiness and low butts because it they're so bad it's so funny because like the budget must have been so low it's not even on the wikipedia page they just said fuck it it was that low we're not even gonna (laughs) notate it five (laughs) dollars We yeah. paid the entire budget to Christopher Lee to be in this film. Yeah, they get <laughs> really hairy when that. Like, the, it's throughout this series, but like, there's a lot of hairy sex going on in in this entire franchise. I know it's like '70s porno times ten. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Jesus. So <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Um, you know, one thing about this movie that I thought was kind of interesting. I mean, it's you know, it's it's minorly interesting, but. Um, that the werewolves can't be killed by silver bullets, only titanium. Yeah, I did write that down as well. Is it you know, all they, werewolves or just the queen bitch? Um, I, I don't think remember just, if they said specifically, may, but for I, some reason I felt like they was alluding to that, like the the queen can only be killed by titanium. Yeah, and uh, I think it was we keep referring to her as the black werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it is. It's special. It's the ones with more power. Right. So her and, of course, Sybil Danny's character. So but that is an interesting note, though, because in this franchise, they uh, they they very much allude to the fact like they don't play on the, you know, the tropes of of typical werewolf films where werewolves are always changing out full moons and stuff. They, that's one thing that they really do uh, state in this in this franchise quite a bit, you know, yeah. where lot, werewolves can tra- uh, trend, you know, you know, change into or people they can change into werewolves anytime. Now, do you like uh, that? Um, I think it were I mean, there's one film in this franchise where they do talk about where they do change on the full moons and there's only one film. Um, so I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I, I think like it's kinda- the more traditional approach where like they just turn in to them on the full moon. But at the same time, like I feel like I like the concept of the more badass werewolf, the longer you've been doing it, the more like you know, high on the totem pole you are, the more power you have over your transformations. I think that would be cool too. See, the thing I like about, you know, the howling and stuff is that, you know, these, they can turn into werewolves when they, when they can, because the the reason why I like that is because full moons only happen, what, once a month, right? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of limiting the time and you're limiting yourself for when you can have transformations, but if you can do it all the time, I kind of like that pro like, you could just you kind of expand the whole kind of setting of a film. Like it doesn't have to be just set on one day. You yeah. know, it could be all the time and or any place at any time. And I do kind of like that. You know how it does really focus on that in this franchise, except for one film. Yeah. But you know, I, I think it's kind of cool. But you know, they like just changing up the only titanium and things. I was like, where the fuck are they going to get titanium from? Yeah. <laughs> like, Silver get bullets titanium. are hard enough to come by. <laughs> I think silver is probably easier to find than titanium, though. It's like oh, yeah. definitely. You know, it's just like, okay, but you know, it is what but, it is. I but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, could you find a silver bullet like in the next like hour? 
because I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I know these people. I always seem to know these jewelers that can just make up bullets like right away. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Uh, that's where they are. They're in Transylvania. So yeah. What was the What was the reason that you said earlier, JP, that um, Christopher Lee was in this movie, like with Joe Dante? Oh, uh, well, I also read that he wanted to do this movie because he had never been in a werewolf movie. Uh, okay. Now, which is interesting because he's you know old and has done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say because like the, the, there's like a funny little like I guess um, I guess a funny kind of like trivia thing about this movie um, is like when Christopher Lee was uh, cast to be in Gremlins two, it says here he apologized to Joe Ta- Dante for ever even being in this movie. Yeah, that's what I said at the beginning. Oh, okay, I didn't hear you say it. That's what I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, one of the interesting things about these films is they are loosely based on novels and what's interesting about the novel series is it's actually a trilogy so there was literally a howling two novel has nothing to do with this movie but yeah the direct the writer of those stories he has some special features on the blu-ray of the first film too and uh he i believe he talks a little he might even have a commentary track if i'm not mistaken uh so yeah that's pretty interesting uh you know it's it's one of those things where is it better that they didn't take the story? Because even the original film is very loosely based on it. Part four is the most accurate to the novel. But at the end of the day, when you watch you know, part four, you're like, well, maybe they, Joe Dante was pretty smart or whoever wrote the original. But I, yeah. have, have you guys read the novels? No, I haven't actually. Um, no. Okay. Like the thing with novels, the thing with novels is this, like I've never read these novels. I have read some of the, if you, if you're going to kind of talk about a novel to a TV show or a novel to a movie, like I've read some of the game of Thrones books and like just kind of going off that. Sometimes it's a good thing. They don't do certain things in novels and movies because, you know, sometimes the, the storyline in the novel is a little bit better, but putting it on films a little bit different. It could go, sour like with game of thrones as an example complete opposite not even horror related but that that shows if they put everything in the book onto tv it would probably honestly suck because there's a lot of things you can't go from the book doing into a tv show that would probably be boring and things of that nature it's i think it's like this it's kind of better left to the imagination exactly yeah yeah i think it would be this like a very good example of this would be these movies like i have a feeling like the novels are probably better than the movies but i don't think that translating them from novel to movie is really a good idea because there's a lot of detail stuff that goes into the novels and it probably wouldn't go good on film. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my opinion on stuff, something like yeah, that. I mean, we can talk about part four when we get to it, you know, the adaption yeah. from the book, but so this one actually, I believe is the last one to go theatrical. Is that correct? Do you guys know? I think so. Yep. I'm yep, not sure. I believe so. Yeah. Well, this is, it fucking blows my mind that this had a theatrical release. Yeah, well, in the trivia on IMDb, it says that this film barely made it theatrical. I don't know what that actually means, but apparently, barely. It probably, it probably yeah. didn't do too. Bad. It probably made, it probably made its theatrical uh, presence because it had Christopher Lee in it. And that was it. Yeah. Like, well, Christopher Lee's in this film. I guess we could probably sell that at the cinema. Yeah, so. I actually can't find any info on a budget or a. Uh, what it would have made in the it theater. looks like pretty much all the other movies that are in the series like in the franchise had a budget of two million dollars <laughs> so i don't know if it was the same with this movie or not but it's funny that they don't actually have the budget on anywhere online which is kind of odd but i can't imagine it being too high budget but they actually did shoot like in uh in eastern europe and stuff like that so they had 
you know, definitely decent budget anyways. Yeah, they had to fly everybody over there, so who knows? I mean, they probably paid a lot for the actors. <laughs> you know, yeah. apparently, it doesn't show so much on screen. But Apparently, uh, the run there's two versions of this film as well, an 87-minute version and a 91-minute version, so I don't know the differences. I wonder why there's like four minutes cut out. That's weird. Uh, it, well, the original probably... theatrical version <clears throat> was the 87-minute version, and then the re the recut versions were 90 minute, 91 minutes that ran on TV. It's a TV version, so it oh. includes extra scenes, I would assume. Yeah, it says here uh, included a, a new scene before the end credits, plus a brand new end credit sequence in order to replace the topless shots oh. of Sybil Danning in the original I, R-rated version. That I didn't even sense. know that, and I was going to say, I bet you they replaced the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> because of that ridiculous fucking every time like the snare hits or something in the music, her fucking top would rip off. It's yeah. Like, shh, shh, that 80s fucking <laughs> reverb snare. <laughs> uh, it's so good, man. Fuck, I love the end credits. This film are so good. But um, one thing about this movie that's always made me laugh is just the level of sleaziness, man. Like, honestly, these like werewolf orgies and like just the, the whole idea of these like super psychosexual uh, kind of beans, I guess, or marsupials or whatever we want to call them. Like, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just you have to have that in there, and you know, why not have Sybil Danning in there? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Sy- Sybil just... Danning. Uh, I'm actually not overly familiar with her. I definitely know the name around horror terminology, but uh, wow, man, she well, gets some big boobs. The thing is, man, like you know, with the uh, the whole history of werewolves and stuff, they're supposed to be kind of like s- sexual, like like vampires and things like that. But they really exploited that in this one. It, it turns into like an exploitation film. In a yeah, way. <laughs> you yeah. Points, it's I, like, I holy bet you shit, that this dude. film was very popular in the video stores it, from people yeah. that knew of the Civil Danning stuff because oh, yeah. Um, yeah. that type of stuff really did affect how often a film got rented. Um, just if you knew about like a a. Uh, epic nude scene or something like that i remember being a kid hearing about like certain nude scenes and like oh i gotta rent this one you know because i want to see titties and stuff <laughs> yeah sybil dadding was you know fairly famous up to this point i mean within these b movies and stuff so yeah th- this one actually came out yeah. in 1985 which was when the third novel actually came out so the same year that the third novel came out i would actually like to know what the you know the second and third novels like what the storylines are in those i believe because the writer like, well, does talk a little bit about what they they what happened in them on the uh commentary or the special features on the first scream factory release yeah that's cool cool yeah this this movie man oh it's just so fucking cheesy like i love the fact that it's in transylvania and they have this one bit where um her brother uh, or the boyfriend, or the guy, whatever you want to call him, I can't remember his fucking name. And his girlfriend check into the hotel. <laughs> as soon as they leave the concierge desk, the uh, the clerk kind of smiles and he's got these big vampire fangs. I'm like, so fucking cheesy, man. I'm like, of course they're in vampire land, hunting down werewolves. It only makes sense, right? Yeah, uh, it's it so does cheesy. make sense though. It's cool that you know, it's like it, it just stuff like that seems like they're having fun. You know, they definitely had a lot of fun with this with this film but you know one thing about this it's just like the cinematography in this film you guys notice like there's just so much sleazy cinematography it just focuses on just straight boobs and asses and like some of the shots are just it's kind of like taken away from everything in certain scenes you're just like looking at tits and ass i love that yeah (laughs) it's like he didn't even give a shit he's like well 
We're going to keep this real sexual, man. I love that. It's great. So kind of winding down on this one, do you guys have any final thoughts? Cheesy. Muff. Cheesy is all hell. (laughs) Okay. We have to comment on how they kind of – how do they defer themselves from Sturbia's powers? You know, because she has like this power. She has this werewolf power where she can basically kind of control people, Mm -hmm. right? But what they do is they bless – this wax just like candle wax in a way i think it was at this church and what they do is they put it in their ears to kind of deflect sturbia's powers from like invadium and that's how they kind of get her at the end of the film sounds stupid <laughs> to me it's so fucking funny i was pissed myself i'm like so that's how the power affects you it goes through your ears like this invisible made up power gets you by going through your ears this is what they came up with right so what so what they do to counteract that is they they bless wax put it in their ears and then christopher lee like totally plays like he's under the spell and then he gets her at the end yeah <laughs> i oh, fucking man. love it it's so fucking the science bad. behind that makes it. absolutely zero no, sense yeah, zero i know sense. because it's not explained it's like we understand that she's the queen of the world she has this power sure we don't need an explanation she's she's been doing it for such a long time and she's the queen but it goes through people's ears? Like, what? what the fuck? <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Uh, I don't know, man. It makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's such a good... It's a good time film, though. But I, I love the music in this film. It's one thing I've always enjoyed. I've used the music in... I've used music a lot of times, actually, in videos. Well, there's cause... actually that song at the end. There's, like, an actual, like, howling song in this film yeah. at the well, end. Well, that band, the band that plays throughout the film, that's the band that sings that. And I, they're a real band. They were, like, a real band from that era, so kind of cool. Which, you know, you can kind of tell because, you know, when the dude's singing and stuff, it's actually matching up properly. And it mm-hmm. seems like he is because he legitimately is performing. So <laughs> I can't remember the name of the band. Yeah. So, Mariana, uh, Mar- Mariana. I think that was the black werewolf's name. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> In fact, that might, might oh, as well yeah. She's she known werewolf. as the black werewolf, black chick yeah. werewolf. Yeah. Well, she kind of is like the token black person in the film. Uh, she's cool. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of funny. There's like one. It's just funny how they did that. But um, I don't know. I don't really got a whole lot to say on this one. I like something. I like, you know, I would I will say this is probably the goriest film in the entire franchise, though. Yeah, you know the little amounts of gore that are actually in this film. I mean, this franchise doesn't have a lot of blood and gore. No, it doesn't. It really no. doesn't. Like, <laughs> you know, and, the, and it's, pretty, it's pretty sad to say that the Howling Two, with the little amounts that it does have. I mean, there's a couple over the top moments with the eyes exploding out of the head and things like that. But uh, this is the goriest film. This is what you're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> when you watch the Howling franchise. Uh, sad. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So want to uh, jump into ratings? You go first yeah. this time. It's... Um, okay. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. The, this movie, it's not a great movie by any means, but it has enough fun elements to it that it's got rewatchability to it. I don't know what it is about this one. It's probably a lot to do with the music, and I've always said that to myself about this film. I think that if the soundtrack had been like really shitty you know if they had to use like you know really bad like hair metal or whatever i think it would have been a lot different i think it adds a lot to the film it just kind of it's just a product of its time and it works so well for me um really bad script terrible sequel to the original classic but overall it has a lot of fun moments a lot of really ridiculously thought up moments like the end credits like whoever thought of of doing that was just sheer brilliance it's just so they good. just keep using the same frame of civil danning's boobs 
I just I can't even believe that someone came up with that because it's just so fucking I, I always wonder what she thought of that because it's not like they came to her and said, hey, by the way, we're going to do this for the end credits, you know, and exploit your tits like 30 fucking times. <laughs> really yeah. doubt that was was going to happen. But, you know, it's kind of funny that they did it. But, you know, overall, not a great film. Got lots of rewatchability to it. I'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, me, I. You know, I, I I pretty much feel the same way about you. I don't know about the rewatchability. I, you know, <laughs> watching it in a marathon makes me never want to watch a Howling film for a few years, probably. Uh, that makes but sense. I would be curious to check out the special features on the Scream Factory edition. Uh, Blu-ray looked good. Um, so yeah, I give it a little bit less than you with a six out of ten. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I'll get into it. I mean, I, I feel the same about it. Like, it was very cheesy, and I don't mind the cheesiness of, like, certain 80s films or even some 90s films. Um, it was cool that Christopher Lee was in it. I mean, there were, wasn't really, you know, much, like, storyline that kept me interested. I remember, like, when I was watching it, I was kind of like, I think this was one of the ones I actually fell asleep halfway through and then had to restart it, to be honest with you. But, I mean, it wasn't, like, a horrible, horrible film. It wasn't the worst film out of this entire franchise, that's for sure. But, um but rewatchability, I don't know. I it it would probably take a good bit for me to even want to watch you know a lot of these movies again, just or, or like anytime soon at least. <laughs> um, so I mean, I gave it a six out of ten. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty like honest rating for it. I mean, mm. it definitely was one of the probably honestly one of the better films out of this franchise. Oh yeah, that, that's for sure. It, to me, it's like it's probably like around an average film, but there's certain things that horror fans will recognize that kind of pushes it above average. Yeah. The soundtrack being of, one of them. Yeah, I mean, and the Sybil Danning stuff and the gore and it's just, a, it's a, the fun factor kind of pushes it up a notch for me. So yeah. that's kind of where I gave that extra point at. So, uh, yeah. So that is the howling Two: your sister's a werewolf. Just two years later moods. What do we got? We've got the howling. Th- well, actually it's not even called the howling three. It's called the marsupials, the howling three. I, mean, <laughs> I hate when titles do that. I hate when franchises do that. Can't Why? Stay. Why would they not do the Howling Three: Colon the Marsupials? Right. Yeah. Well, most of the places more... you look, it it does say that even on my uh, DVD. But it, I've seen it as the other way too. That's ridiculous. Well, it's, do you notice they dropped the V too? There's like no yeah, V. There's no the. Yeah. It's <laughs> just howling. <laughs> They're like fuck the V. We're just gonna call this shit Howling and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> so so what yeah, happens in this one moods <laughs> that that that's really annoying that they did that man Ugh, just put the it's the howling and that's like the stupidest name ever marsupials like what why would they even just call it howling three like th- when you add the marsupials it makes it sound stupid as fuck to be honest with you i mean because technically that's what they're it's yeah, a, it's an integral it's, part of the plot just, but at the same time like any normal person would be like what the fuck does that yeah, have to do with the stupid, howling yeah just stupid word to even put on the title <laughs> <laughs> yeah so two years later 1987 we got the marsupials the howling three again like i said before directed by philip mora and this one is a completely different film than part two uh part two cheesy this one well let's get to it in a minute here a strange race of human-like marsupials appear suddenly in australia yes that's right we go to the land down under for this one an associate and a sociologist who studies these creatures falls in love with a female one is this a dangerous combination? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that I want to say is 
this film like looks like older in terms of quality than both of the first two combined and it was you know 80 what seven <laughs> 87 yeah <laughs> and it just it just has this like just bad look to it what one thing i want to state right off the bat of this film it's rated pg-13 and it really does show oh it definitely shows that i was really like agree. yeah it's a what pg-13 film there's like nothing going on in this one man like um i don't even think that there is any nudity there is. maybe it may yeah, actually, yeah, there is in this one, right? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, this one's really tame. Like, it's just basically all story and plot. Like, there's nothing really like, happening in this movie. So, hence the PG-13 rating. It's like, they could have rated yeah. this PG probably. I remember, like, watching, <laughs> like, I'll say this off the bat, too. I remember watching this movie. Like, I vaguely remember watching this movie. But I remember watching it. I remember how, that I was like, why is the plot, you said it was very plot heavy, because it is. The plot was kind of hard to follow. It was just, like, all over the fucking place. And I was like... And, like, I remember, like, the opening scene with, like, the tribe and, like, the wolf mask. I was like, this is already, like, this is already fucked. Like, this is pretty much fucked from the get-go of this movie. I was like, wow. That fucking wolf mask made me laugh so hard, though, they had on that guy on the fucking pole. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So, this one... It opens up in Australia with a chick who's like in a werewolf tribe and she wants to get away. She gets on a bus and there's a preacher there and he's like, you shouldn't be running away from home. He's like, well, my stepfather's a werewolf and he tried to rape me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I was like, oh, that shut his mouth pretty quickly. Uh, that's so good. That's that's the ultimate way of shutting someone up right away. Yeah, that's like the best line from like any of these movies. My stepfather's a werewolf. He tried to rape me. Wow. So I take it where she go to L.A. Uh, it does take place in I yeah it's it's in Hollywood I think. So That's she's right, in because... L.A. She's just kind of doing her thing, and this guy who's making a movie, Shapeshifters Part Eight, uh, yeah, and right, <laughs> and Caesar. Th- this movie like foreshadows like the endless sequels of The Howling. <laughs> That really does. And uh, I felt like this one almost sort of had like a little meta vibe to it too with uh, all the filmmaking stuff that's going on in there. And basically he gets her to be to star in his movie and they sort of kind of connect very fast, very fast. There's not a lot of development, but they, they start, you know, being lovers really quickly. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's kind of. I just love I was... how she get. I love. I love how she jumps on that thing though. But he's just like on a break from making the movie. He sees her and he's like, "Hey, you want to be in this movie?" Because yeah. it totally so, works so, like that, right? Like, what the fuck? Like that's yeah. how it works in real life. You're he's real... like, and she he even says like, "Don't you guys have horror movies where you're from?" And she's like, "We don't have movies or something." So it's like, what the fuck? This chick is weird. Um, but it turns out that she is in fact a werewolf. Yes. And she is. He goes to take her to this – one of the scenes that I just find absolutely hilarious is she goes to t- he goes to take her to a horror movie because she's never seen a horror movie. And yeah. basically they go see the thing that came from Uranus and it is like <laughs> the worst like cartoony like transformation scene ever. And that's you. I remember seeing that clip from something yeah. and I always assumed that that's what the werewolves looked in this li- – like in this movie. They don't. Fortunately, I mean, they still don't look that great, but goddamn, thank God they didn't look like that thing. <laughs> I just like how she keeps mentioning it to him, too. She's like, that's that's not how it looks. 
Yeah. That's not how it happens. Like she keeps kind of like, like any yeah. normal person be like, what the hell is this bitch talking about? But he's just like, it's like no big deal. <laughs> she At one point she even states too. She's like, well, I'll show you later. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a funny line, but. And then, of course, after the movie, they they head into or they, you know, end up sleeping with each other. Now, this that scene right there always cracks me up because I don't know why you would ever stay in that bed after you noticed what was going on. (laughs) Nobody in their right mind would ever stay in that bed. Okay, she's sleeping. He wakes up and she's like sweating and she's like growing a lot of hair. Like, wouldn't that fucking freak you out a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, I'm out of here. Like, there's no possible way that's normal. For you to just grow that much hair in the last hour. It, it basically looks like her her pubic hair would go up about eight inches. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> where it like... should end. And then he sees the pouch and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, well, no, he isn't like, what the fuck, really? He's just kind of casually like, whatever. I know, man. It's so strange, man. Like, it looks like so she got weird. a second vagina that's horizontal. Which, you know, ultimately they end up talking about what, like, what the use of the pa- uh, the pouch is in the film and stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's just so unbelievable. Like, this guy's ever going to stick around. Like, that like, honestly yeah, kind of made me. Such a stupid setup. It kind of made me cringe seeing that. Just, like, the thought, like, if that was, like, actually real and there was, like, a pouch on a woman. That's kind of disgusting. That's, like, just the disgusting thought for some reason. I don't know. Like, ugh. Just the thought of, like, a little fucking shitty baby, like, crawling up in the pouch. Yeah. Ugh. So th- there's also these group of people that were from her family who's like traveled to LA and like can just smell her out or something because they're like showing up. Yeah, their senses back. are yeah really they good. They sniff that hairy pussy out is what they do. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> basically, what, I, what like she ends up going back to Australia eventually but there's a scene early on before that actually that i i did notice in my notes where this guy goes falling out of this fucking building and it's like the funniest goddamn thing ever dude that was like one of my notes i said man falling off building looks hilarious (laughs) listen i don't normally laugh out loud like you guys do like moods i know you laugh at like i do too stupidest shit (laughs) i don't but that shit had me like cracking up i was like (laughs) I'm I thinking know, about right? laughing right now. I was like, just, ah. dude, I was, I don't bust a gut at that shit. It's probably the, it's like the only funny, like legitimate good part in the film. Oh yeah. <laughs> that right there, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, what'd it's you guys, uh, what'd you guys think of the soundtrack in this movie? Cheese. Uh, the soundtrack city, man. Like I, I felt like, you know, the opening music to the film <laughs> instantly reminded me of, I can't remember which, uh, a Silent Night, Deadly Night sequel it is, but it has like the same type of music. I swear it was just ripped off from one of those shitty films. Yeah. But it has like this really, really bad score. I'm just like, oh my God, it sets the worst tone. Yeah. <laughs> this so film bad. takes so long to like get where it's going and like tell you like what the story is because you're just introduced to all this weird shit yeah there's so many characters because you have like this scientist that you know he's working on trying to prove you know all this bullshit that's going on and stuff and it just keeps kind of jumping around and stuff and it that's all it is it really does jump around a lot it jumps to la australia and then back to la and then australia and then with these scientists and then with this clan i think that's why this guy shows up out of nowhere and then this guy shows up out of nowhere there's like no werewolf action in the film that's the weird thing it's like it's just all this okay we got to save we got to save this race and blah 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 like you know this guy's trying to basically kind of figure out exactly what they are and where they come from and you got this other group of people that are like 
fuck them. Let's kill them. They kill humans. So he's kind of like, he's almost in a way he's like a scientist activist, you know, he's fighting for them and things like that. And there's a lot of this type of political underlay of the film. And it's like, it's so fucking boring. Yeah. That's what it I was going to say really... is like when there's so many characters and so many things going on in movies like this, it just bores the fuck out of you, dude. It's just like, what the it's fuck? It's not interesting. They don't, you can have a lot of this story, but at least have some type of action filler, like certain things with werewolves ripping people apart and like kind of justify yep. these assholes that want to kill these marsupials and keep them oppressed from society because they just want to be – they are human form, right? They just want to yep. kind of be in society. But, you know, you got these oppressors and stuff like that. And I understand like the whole undertones. It's a, it, This movie has a lot of undertones to – Australia in general, like th- this type of thing is is very much about what they used to go through right in yeah. Australia. It was about the natives and stuff. So it has all that type of going on. And I understand that. But it's not interesting. It's a very boring film. And it's honestly, it's it lacks in direction a lot. They should have had a lot of moments where, you know, to prove and, you know, have some werewolf action where they're killing people and things that are going on to kind of justify this group of people that wants to take him out and stuff. It just doesn't doesn't feel right. It yeah. just makes them look like they're complete shitheads and are just like, fuck them. We want to kill them. They kill people and stuff because they even show the backstory with the Tasmanian tigers, yep. you know how, and like people didn't understand these tigers. So what they did is they hunted and killed them. And that's really what they wanted to do and understand what this, the scientist is like, well, you know, we got to fight for this, blah, blah, blah. So it has all this political agendas and just, uh, heads budding. Oh, fuck man. I actually don't think it's that. Uh, well, it is bad. That's, that's for sure. But I actually wasn't that bored in this one. If I'm being honest, like I felt like every time there was like down moments, you got the scene where they go to the movie theater and there's this ridiculous thing on screen or they go to the party and you know, she starts freaking out or th- honestly, the birthing scene made the whole movie worth it to me. Cause I was like, what in the hell is this? Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, one thing I've never been able to understand is like, you know, buddy, it's like she finds out she's pregnant with this guy's kid and they have this fucking whatever. It's like, it doesn't even look like a mini werewolf. It kind of looks like, well, a, it's not supposed to be. They're not like a werewolves. Fucking rat. Yeah. Well, well, they're more, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're actually not type. werewolves. That's that's the one thing about the film that that I found kind of interesting. But anyway, she does f- have that baby, and the dude finds yeah. out that she's like, oh, she's like, I'm sorry, but like much like cat people, if I find out you're a fucking dog, I'm not gonna love you anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, yeah. It, it's weird. It's actually I'm sure it's illegal. <laughs> like bestiality just, is not legal. It's weird. You're a weirdo. Yeah, I don't care if you it, love her. It's weird, it, guy. You know, you know. I never really thought of the bestiality angle. Yeah, but, but you know, so, it is kind of funny how they created like this thing living in this pouch because that's just like that's so Australian with uh, with kangaroos. <laughs> they just basically ripped that right off from kangaroos. Well, no, it, they ripped it off of thylacins. Which is the the werewolf thing that the, the wolf creature that they show? That's a real living creature. It's not yeah, yeah. anymore. They're extinct. But I did exactly. a little research into it just because I was curious. And those things look freaky as hell. There has been reported sightings that they still exist to this day, but they are classified as extinct. And they had pouches. They actually yeah. had pouches. So it's actually kind of interesting that the director did at least attempt to do something different. Where he's like, he looked into this creature that that is sort of woofy it's like it looks like a dog type creature but it's also like a marsupial and it's one of the few carnivorous marsupials that are actually out there and he he goes and he's like this would be kind of cool to make a werewolf creature like out of these because it's like still sort of like in the werewolf vein but it's something different and i was like i actually like that it was kind of they're called thylacemes 
and mm-hmm. they show the footage. That footage is actually stock footage of like the only footage of these thylacines is made way back in the day. So I thought that was cool too, that he went and got this information, but you know, it, it just, like you said, man, it is just messy. It is all over the place. It feels like the, at a certain point, there's like, there's like a quarter of a solid idea here. Yeah. So there, so there is some pretty interesting, you know, ideas and things that are going on, but yeah, you know, short and long of it, this movie really does lack in direction. It just yeah, feels it like really there's does. not anything there. Like, I mean, there's a lot there, but it just doesn't, it feels so jumbled. You're like, Hey man, you just need to kind of sit down and kind of focus on, you know, a little more fun <laughs> than the film. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, just so, it's so bland. It's so bland. And one thing about this movie, man, I just find to be overly tedious, man, is the third act in this movie. Does it seem like it's not ever going to end? It just yeah, keeps well, going that's on and the on. intention a little bit because it's stretched over a few years. Exactly. But they just keep going at it. And it's like, holy fuck. But, but it didn't you know, feel like that. It was like, oh, they're here now. Oh, wait, they're older now. Oh, yeah. wait, this guy's here. Like, where did he come from? It's like, like 15 years later. And this kid- just shows up. He's like hiding in the bushes. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, that is so over here. <laughs> so it's such bad. That's that's bad. That's really yeah. Bad. And oh, it's completely bad. But the, you get into further in the werewolf or uh, the backstory where you, you said about, you know, the the sort of like oppression of these type of people. But, and then the, the thylacines, the real life creatures is also sort of a metaphor for them because they were over hunted and they were over, um, pushed out by like dingoes and shit. And like that, the, when they entered their territory, it kind of like basically caused them to go extinct by, by hunting yep. and, you know, pushing them out of their natural zones. But something that, they also add to the goddamn story is that they're all relatives of like these, these actual animals, like the spirits of the last of these animals after they went extinct, like inhabited humans and then created this race of marsupials. And it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Exactly. Like, I mean, it feels like there's an idea there, but it just wasn't thought through in full, (laughs) you know? Yeah. They use this, they use this like fisheye lens towards the end where it's like all like weird looking. And there's one scene where the dude's like in a goddamn tent and he has a gun and then he's like, Oh, he sits the gun down and grabs a goddamn rocket launcher. (laughs) What are you going to do with a rocket launcher? I know know that the one scene where they're at the, basically the marsupials camps and stuff like that. It fucking looks like a post-apocalyptic film in those scenes. It looks like (laughs) the hills have eyes. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. To me, it just as soon as I looked at him, like it, it, all of a sudden, it just feels like I'm watching like this post-apocalyptic film, and everything's just kind of a mess. <laughs> like I don't know, yeah. it just it seems out of place to me that it was that messy. Like I don't know, it just seemed weird to me. So there's some, some of the sets. Actually, the, I wrote this down in my notes that I just realized. So the backstory was a man fell in love with a wolf, and then hit, and then the spirit yeah. of those wolves, which were these thylacines visits them to this day still and it's like a part of, it's very like native american-y which they said that well that so that's weird. the whole that's where the whole oppression of the natives of australia comes yeah. in and stuff but he literally said that it was like it actually inhabits them it actually goes yeah. into them and that's what it is it like physically go well spiritually i guess or whatever you want to call it but um so they do capture the like the stepfather one and they find out that strobe lights can force them to transform <laughs> and at first I thought the werewolves looked really stupid, but then I was like, oh, they're based they off these really seizures. stupid looking animals. So, so that's why they look kind of stupid as well. 
change. But they do look really fucking stupid, though. Yeah. Oh, they look fucking horrible in this movie. Yeah, the effects, makeup, and oh, it's so bad. It's so bad, dude. That was like the main thing in my notes was like the werewolves look like the worst fucking werewolves I think I've ever seen in any movie. Like it's just fucking. The one has like this big wide smile looking thing, (laughs) and it just cracked me up. There's some um, there's some pretty interesting like like small facts about this movie. Um, I saw here that Nicole Kidman was originally slated to play the role of Jeroba or Jerboa. Yeah, the, the main girl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then like the first season of The Sopranos and the season finale, Meadow Soprano was watching this movie on TV. Really? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Kind so of- another thing is the budget is listen, this is how it's read on uh, uh Wikipedia. Two million or one million. <laughs> <laughs> Such or a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> Uh, AKA, yeah. we don't know how much fucking money that they put into this movie. <laughs> yeah, th- this is one of those, you know, type of films where, you know, they're really trying to be sympathetic to these characters. You know, the, you know, these, you know, what they, a lot of people in the film are calling, they're the, supposed to be the antagonist, but they're not the antagonist, you know, type kind of deal. And I don't know, man, sometimes, it, you know, you want to feel sorry, but it's like, same time, it's it's, it's just executed so poorly. Yeah. Then I have a hard time feeling anything, right? It's like, I understand, you know, it's this whole oppression. They're not the antagonist, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, my God. So one of the oh, things, man. this film, and it's mentioned in that documentary that I, I mentioned earlier, it actually had a very big cult following in Australia, which makes sense. But also it killed in the video rental stores of the 80s and 90s and, uh, you know, the, you know, HBOs of the world. I for bet some I know reason. why. I bet I know why. Probably because the cover looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does look a little cool. That's probably why a lot of people... Because you know a lot of people that went into video stores, they probably hadn't seen or even knew what the howling was back then. I mean, some people did, but you know, they're like, oh, it's a werewolf film, and the cover looks cool. Like, let's get it. Let's rent it. It'll be a cool rental for Friday night. That's probably why it did good in like rental stores, is what I would assume. If, if I wasn't so colors. OCD... And I seen that because I can't watch things out of order, even if they have no continuity. If I would have seen that cover and I wasn't OCD, I totally would have grabbed it because that that cover does look pretty cool to me. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Like the poster itself is pretty. I mean, if that yeah. was the cover of the VHS or the DVD, went, or it's like had to be it's like a typical '80s film, man. You know, the cover art's way better than the film itself. Exactly, <laughs> it's like a perfect example, man. Ugh. That's crazy, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I bet she's uh, glad she didn't fucking take that role. <laughs> yeah, and so this is technically is so an Australian film. This was part of the Ausploitation Untold History of Ausploitation, uh, that documentary yeah. that came out a few years ago. They focused a lot on this one. Oh, yeah. Man. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I can't take anything away from this one, man. It's like. Uh, the acting is atrocious in this one. Like, you yeah. think the acting is bad in part two? This one, I, I like everyone sucks. It, it's just the acting is so bad. Yeah, it really. Yeah, is. It's like some of the like just kind of overacting at points and underacting, and it's like, oh my god, it's just a fucking mess. It's such a mess. Yeah, it is. It definitely is a mess. Do you guys have much more? Do you want to get into ratings? Yeah, uh, we can go ahead and get into ratings if you want. I'll start this time. Okay. So, 
pretty much uh, there really isn't much to say about this film. The w- what I wrote down in my notes was pretty much straight up what we've all talked about the entire time. The plot was really hard to follow because there was too many characters in the fucking movie and like too much shit going on during the movie that I was literally I remember well I remember specifically watching this film too and I was so fucking bored. I was like, "Oh my god, I hope the rest of these are not as bad as this." And like the 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 special effects there really is none, but I mean, what's there of the werewolves are really pathetically thrown together. You would think that like with Philip Mora, you know, being the director and he wanted to make this film because he was, he was kind of upset about a lot of the stuff that happened in the second movie. You think he'd try a little bit harder with at least the effects, you know, for the most part, but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like they really gave a shit. They just kind of threw it together. It was very sloppy and you could tell with a PG 13 rating that this is what you're going to get. It was just, Way all over the place. The acting was really <laughs> shitty. I, I ended up giving this this flick a three out of a three out of ten. I mean, I there wasn't really there's no reason for me to ever watch this film again ever. Yeah, I think I've watched this movie way too many fucking times. But you know, I you know I understand what he's really trying to accomplish here. Like you know, JP noted on the fact that there's some pretty interesting ideas here. The direction is really really lacking. Maybe he's just not a great director. Um, I, I haven't really seen any of his other work. I don't really know what he's done except for these two films, but. You know, I think that's the biggest problem with this movie is that it has these ideas that are really strong, you know, especially in Australia. You know, you're touching on things that are that are touchy subjects, you know, and he's trying to get that out there to the people and stuff. And I understand it. Um, I think it just comes off just really not good, (laughs) like at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's even points in this film where, you know, it's like I don't even understand why he even threw this one part in there. I think. When it was it the scientist is talking to the mayor at the end of the film and he's like, yeah, well, you know, he went off and he he hooked up with uh, the werewolf or with the marsupial and he, he and he goes, was she a female? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, thank God for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like moments in the film, you're like, what the, well, the fuck was that? Just to touch on one other thing that I forgot is the the strobe light. They set it up for the end and it's like call it kind of a callback to the first film where now this girl is a big time actor and basically what happens is she is accepting a ward and all the cameras make her turn into a werewolf because it's like a strobe effect. You mean to tell me that she she's a super famous actor and she's never been photographed until now? Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. So stupid. <laughs> but Yeah, and, that, and honestly, it's one thing like I really can't stand the end of this film. It just keeps kind of going and going and it just, you know, it's mm-hmm. trying to make you feel for him and then it kind of goes back on that, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it, to me, it's just a complete mess. I've, I've never liked this movie. I've seen it, like I said, probably too many times. I think I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I always try to like these type of films. But for me, I couldn't really take anything away from it. Um, it's just a boring, boring film to me. It's really boring. It just needed to have more filler or not <laughs> less filler, more action, you know, things like that that are going on. And to me, this is honestly one of the worst films in the franchise, even though it does have some of the better ideas. It's just it's just executed so poorly and beyond belief that I just I can't get over it. And I give it a two out of ten. OK, uh, what was Kyle's rating? Just because I missed it. Three. Three out of ten. Moods is a two out of ten. OK, so I will go into my thoughts on the film. My final thoughts. This is actually probably going to be one of my new favorite So Bad It's Good films up there with like the troll films. Uh, I actually did enjoy this one quite a bit. In ter- I wasn't that bored. 
it is absolutely 100% a terrible movie. That I'm not defending that. That's true. Everything Moon said about it in terms of it being bad is absolutely true. Yeah. I you know, rate these ways where like I take the film for what it is, what what the film actually is technically, so my rating is going to be a little low on this one. I just got to say though, man, the mother effing like ideas in this film are just so out there. That what happened was this guy was like, oh, I'm going to make a howling film and I'm going to make it batshit crazy. But he didn't realize (laughs) that batshit is a specific type of shit. And he just went and got any old shit and he ended up coming back with bullshit. So (laughs) that's essentially what this guy did. It was supposed to be batshit, but he only like got mostly bullshit. But it still leads to be ridiculous. The final thing I'll say on this one, I figured it out, guys. 1987, right? That's when this came out. Yeah. Okay. 1987. This is about the time where we've seen producers really step in. This film is the exact reason why producers no longer give creative control to the writers and directors because they come back, they give him a bunch of money. He's like, I'm going to go to Australia and make this howling sequel. He's like, all right, man, here's the money. He comes back with this. And then the producers are like, never again, never again. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's what happened here. And it's all the howling threes fault. I give this one. A 2.5 out of 10. It's an awful movie. And what is our Hall of Pain qualification? Uh, under 9.5. So if you actually manage to hit 10 with three ratings, you're safe. <laughs> so it has to be under 9.5. And, and what was that? Kyle, 3, you 2.5, and, and me 2. Yeah, that is a 7.5 out of 10. This is our newest inductee, Howling 3, the marsupials, into the Hall of Pain. I probably would have given this film maybe a one and a half if they didn't have the uh, the awesome The Beast Within and Birds posters. In oh, yeah, I did note that. And I totally forgot about that. Because <laughs> yeah. no, didn't like, one of the guys like work on The Beast Within or something that was in this film? Uh, probably. That would actually make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. that is Howling 3. I actually had fun with it, but it's awful. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, stupid were or stupid. I keep wanting to say werewolf marsupial love stories. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking stupidest name, Howling Three, the Marsupials. The oh yeah, the director directed the Beast Within. That's a Philip Moore. He directed like, the Beast Within. Yeah, that's a huge contrast on like quality. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I didn't even know that, man. I actually he has like forty. He has thirty nine director credits, and he's, wow, had he no has idea. three films coming out in two thousand sixteen, and one in two thousand seventeen <laughs> in production, pre production, or filming. Holy crap! Man. And another two announced. <laughs> so this guy makes quite different films. You know, you got the Howling two to three, which are like they're like complete polar opposite films. And then The Beast Within It's actually pretty good. Yeah, and he actually – this sounds like a trauma. Pterodactyl Woman from Beverly Hills. Oh, that film? Is that a trauma? Because he did I have that. that. Yeah, it, it is, it is, it is, is a, a trauma. 1997 trauma. I, th- I think he actually did a couple trauma films to be honest. but He did uh, 1989's Communion. So that's interesting. He, he did The Beast Within before The Howling 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really interesting. He so did Mad Dog like, Morgan from 76 as well. That's right. That's the other one that he did. Mad Dog Morgan's awesome. So he went, he actually did. <laughs> he just went boom, straight downhill. <laughs> he just went way downhill. Mad Dog Morgan and The Beast Within is pretty good. And then The Howling 2 and 3. What the fuck? 
Wow. And then he even got worse with those trauma releases. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, wow, that's an interesting career. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Got me, all, got me all choked up here. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, okay, moving into another year that I absolutely love, 1988. And we've got the Howling 4, the original Nightmare. And, of course, that is referring to the fact that this is based off of the original novel. So, it, in hindsight, this is kind of like a remake of the original film, but not really. This is more of uh, appropriate adaptation to the book. And... Yeah, so directed by John Hugh and starring not really a lot of notable people. So we'll move on to the synopsis. <laughs> of this one. Go ahead and a give a synopsis, dog. A successful author moves to a new town after suffering a mental breakdown and is tormented by demons and werewolves. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's you know essentially the original film, but this of course is supposed to be closely. Uh, more adapted to the book um, from the book, but I've never read it. And we all stated that we've never read it yeah. before, but I wonder if anything you know, happens in the novel. Well, that that's the thing now, you know, that's kind of the question where this arises. you know, is it good to make a film, you know, strictly directly, adapt directly from a book? Cause maybe the book isn't that interesting. I mean, if this is what well, the book is, the, the book is probably long, paragraphs of description which you can't really do in film that well especially some directors so which which is kind of interesting too because then it makes the the original howling film so much better so they changed around these things and made it very interesting and vibrant and fun this one is a complete snooze fest yeah like dude i think i think like nothing happens for the first like hour dude the the action starts with 11 minutes left in the film. And then you get you get probably one of the most bizarre scenes in a werewolf film of all time. Yeah, and we'll get into that. But first, let's talk about how much walking and talking goes on into this movie. A lot. <laughs> let's talk about how many mullets are in this movie. Let's do that. Mullets. Well, for off the top, we got this great 80s track. Kind of sets the stage. You're like, yeah, no, man. I, dude, I totally was like, I'm going to like this movie. As yeah, soon as it started, I was yeah. like, it's going to be dark and creepy. It's going to be like a horror film. <laughs> it does kind of set it up for like, you know, it's going to be awesome. You know, yeah. Music. Yep. Whew. It's so funny. Like one of my main notes that I actually bold, <laughs> I put in bold and underlined was Richard, the husband has a sick as fuck mullet. That's good. That's like funny that like I watched this whole movie and that's the one thing, the main thing I take away from him, put it in bold. It's fucking Richard's mullet. Dude, I'll tell you one thing, man. Even though this film is boring as hell and nothing happens, I think that we got to step up in cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. It it does definitely look a little better for sure. They use fog and shit and scenes and I'm like, okay, at least we have that. (laughs) That that's literally one thing that I actually did note was at least in this film, there's a little bit of atmosphere compared to part three. Yeah, it actually has like a kind of thick atmosphere. It, it almost is like a lesser version of the first film in terms of atmosphere. That's the thing. Like they, they try to put some atmosphere and, you know, cinematog- the shots of the woods and things like that that are going on. But it just was not as effective as the first film yeah. mm-hmm. because nothing really comes of what they're showing. You know, at least they tried. I mean, I mean, it's better that you try and do something like that than not do it at all. Like 
previous well, film. Is, it's just it's always letting you down in every scene. Like it's kind of building up to something, and then really nothing happens. Just kind of cuts back, and you know, to a, a different scene. You're like, I think the, the most action in the first you know hour of the film is a dead poodle. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, I, and, I, I and, did. That, that. Oh, sorry, Kyle. No, go ahead. That's one thing about this movie that I could never understand. Like they were really kind of stretching for ideas to kind of, you know, fill the the void in the middle of the film before the big awesome finale. Um, like really, so your dog was missing, but you're going to go and tell the sheriff about it? <laughs> what like, a random like, person to tell. <laughs> there's got to be 20 minutes of the film that's dealing with this dog and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like yeah. really, like like the sheriff gives a shit that your dog ran into the woods. Like it, it's so weak. The plot is just so weak in this film. It, it's, the, they're just they're grasping at straws in the middle of this film. It's, they they there. are, and you know there are things that I look at this film and I, I really paid attention to the moments that are happening, the long moments that are happening. But if you would isolate some of these moments and put them in a different film, like the moment where she like hears this wolf outside and this like howling sound, like isolated moments like that are mo- good moments in other films, but because that's, you don't have anything in between these, like these little moments of thrill. That's supposed to be this slow burn atmospheric tension building thing. You have no yeah. payoff and you have no scenes in between that to keep the story moving. They're just wasted. It's useless, pointless. And it, it is, there are like decent, like isolated scenes. I completely ten- agree with. I completely agree with that, man. Like Marie is supposed to be like she's an author. Like she writes books, mm-hmm. right? So you know, as being a writer, you're kind of an investigator. That's what you do. You do research. You do things. You go and write books and stuff. So you're probably pretty good at figuring out things. But she's not really the one that's kind of figuring out this whole mystery of what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's more her friend who is looking for her nun friend. Yeah, like that's like that's the subplot in the film, which is essentially leading into the you know the overall um, idea of the film. Are you kidding me, man? It's yeah. like it just seems like it, it seems wrong mm-hmm. that this is how the film develops. It's mostly her friend, and it's like, and they and they don't even full, like they go into parts with the thumb, but they cut back to her and stuff, and it almost seems like a total side plot. You know, like it's not really going to work in the film, but then this is what it amounts to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, man. It's just it seems again to me. Lack of direction with the story. The script is just not good. It's yeah. just not a good script at all, man. It's unfortunate because, like you said, there is some decent scenes, isolated scenes. I'll take your word that are good in this film, but the script is terrible. Yeah, it's like terrible you, you watch these scenes and you're like, okay, if this was in a movie that is really intimate and you're personal with the character, the lead character, and you're spending all this time with her, and nobody believes her, and there's these yeah. things happening that she can't explain, but. Like almost like a Nancy or something, right? From Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. And there's these isolated scenes where where it's it is like oh like this would be creepy, but it's fucking wasted completely. The it, yeah. the film is garbage when it comes to actually telling a story. There's there's few moments and it's just garbage, and you know they try to throw in these doomsay. You guys know what doomsayers are? Uh. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's Crazy Ralph. Friday the Thirteenth. You're all doing oh, okay. Yeah, the okay, Doomsayers. Yeah, yeah. There, it's the yeah. crazy old person that tells you not to go into the woods, like, like the red herrings and stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, the person at the, like the gas station that tells you not to go down that road or something, or the you know that, don't. There's always that guy in the. Film, yeah, it's yeah. a doomsayer. They have yeah. ghost doomsayers in this one. Leave, please leave. Get out of here, child. Fucking gay. 
just stupid as shit. Something, something that I noticed with yeah, Marie yeah. that was kind of like Marie and like Richard, her husband, that was kind of just like super, super cheesy. Is like every time they heard like a howling in the woods, they would auto like automatically suspect shit's about to go down. Like, you know, I hear howling, you know, I live in South Carolina, so you hear howling around here, you know, fucking mountain, you know, there's like a fucking, there's something else. It's like an animal, but these motherfuckers are like, oh shit, it's a well, werewolf in the woods. And like, there's like really like, they automatically suspect it's something that's bad about to happen. It was just like that as far as like the plot was kind of just cheesy and they kind of like threw it in there. And then, one of the other uh, things was Marie was seeing a lot of res- like retarded looking visions. Like yeah. I remember putting that down. Like she kept seeing visions of stupid shit, and I was like, "This is stupid." Like all the shit she's looked like she's seeing in her visions are just like they look retarded. I don't know. Let, even, let me even ask the whole guidements. Yeah, well, even even the story with Marie and, and her husband and stuff is is really kind of shoddy and lame too. Like you know the scenes where he's being subducted by, you know the. Other six, yeah, yeah, you know, and outside and stuff. Like he keeps leaving and stuff, but she never really keeps like she doesn't question the first couple times. Yeah, yeah. She has like really pointy boobs, and I'm like, why in the fuck would you not question? Like you guys are in a secluded area, like this isolated kind of colony thing. That you know, where is he going? Yeah, (laughs) like like why wouldn't you question that? Like it just seems natural to question. Like, are you going for a walk? Are you going to have a cigarette? Are you going to jerk off? Are you going to fuck? Well, I think that wasn't he saying that he kept having to drive back to L.A.? Like, isn't that what he was saying that he was doing? But, I mean, for Christ's sake, man, he was only gone for a short period. Yeah, I know. Why would you say something, period, about it? I mean, you're his wife. I mean, shit, dude. If if I was married, my wife would saying shit. Their relationship seems very odd in the film to me. It feels very underdeveloped. Like, she doesn't really care. Like, you know, it's even to the point where, like, are they married? Yeah. Are they, like, you know, it's like, I don't know. It, It just seems very awkward to me. The way they portrayed their characters on screen, but yeah, I think that she's supposed to kind of be preoccupied with different things. It doesn't play which, right. Your well, which they don't e- they don't even showcase that a lot too. You know, you think that she, you know, f- considering she's there because she's having a semi mental breakdown and stuff. You know, with all the howling that's going on and she's you know got these crazy ideas and stuff. You think that she'd be a little more agitated in the film? Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. I like she's not. That. Like she's not. She's more worried about her friends and license plates that she's finding in fucking garages. Yeah. Yes. They are New York plates. Those are my – something's going on around here. <laughs> it's like this whole investigation and shit. I'm like – Let me ask you guys this. Was <clears throat> It could just be my version because like I said, I, I have three Howling films on one disc. But wait, no. Actually, this one is by itself because part three, five, and six are on one disc and then part four I had to buy individually. But anyway, I don't know. The ADR on mine seemed like it was almost dubbed at times. Dude. Did you guys have that? You're talking um, about like the, the voices? I, it definitely is. It definitely is overdubbed. Yeah, it's okay. overdubbed. Yeah, that was one of the things I put in my notes. Was the dubbing was really bad in this film when they did dub? Like it, it it's looked just, stupid. It's really noticeable because they mixed it wrong. Because yeah. it, it doesn't have that natural ambience in it, so it just sounds like you're recording in a studio. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, right? And yeah. I think some of the mixing is really bad on it. Yeah, that's that's why it turns out and it's very noticeable when it's done I didn't, like that. You have I to just have... didn't know if my track – you know how like sometimes you'll get a DVD and the, it'll go out of sync? I, I didn't know if it was that or if it was actually no, dubbed. It's the film, dude. Yeah, no, yeah. it's the film. It's just it's just done poorly. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. Poorly. Yeah, so. Yeah. Apparently this one had a $2 million budget. Which <laughs> fucking blows my mind, man. I, I mean, can't this believe movie, that. It feels – this one right here to me feels like a TV film at times. You know, not with those like those decent, you know, atmospheric scenes and stuff like that, but just 
some of the investigative scenes and like like oh my god i don't know it just it feels total shit tv film to me two million dollar budget really they probably um, spent most of that on the on the melt scene, right? Yeah, but <laughs> probably. You know, I actually see. I'm reading here that this film was uh, shot in South Africa, and some of the actual actors were South Africans, so that maybe they would their uh, accent would come through, so they would have to replace it with dub. That makes perfect sense, then. Yeah, actually, it does. Okay, how about this, guys? Here's a little piece of trivia. Wow, this is crazy. Fangoria. In 1988, gave this a Golden Chainsaw Award for Best Directed Video Feature. Oh, good lord. Yeah, that's crazy. So, we need to find out if anything else came out in 88 on video, because if there's one, (laughs) there has to be something better than the Howling Part 4. That's really bad. Well, dude, I did a whole year of reviews on 88, and there's a lot of better directed fucking video films than this. I mean, I review tons of movies that were didn't have theatrical releases hence straight to video yeah that's kind of nuts that it gave they gave him that i don't understand that whatsoever so basically like nothing happens throughout this entire film until like mood says we finally like see a werewolf and he gets attacked <laughs> And in this, I don't know what the hell is going on with this mythology, but essentially oh. when you get bit by a werewolf, your whole entire body melts like a reverse Hellraiser, and then yeah. you get brought back up through as a crappy-looking werewolf. Yeah, yeah it's like y- your human form melts, and then you're kind of like rebuilt. You're a puddle of goo, and then you're, you're a, literally a puddle, a puddle of goo, <laughs> and then you're kind of transformed in that puddle of goo transforms you into a werewolf. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that I sounds mean, I'm about, sounds right to me. That's got to be in the original book, and obviously Dante was like, "No, <laughs> I'm yeah. not using that." So, but it does seem odd, and it definitely sticks out because I've never seen anything like that in in werewolf mythology ever. A melting scene in a werewolf film? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. One thing, yeah. One thing I I couldn't stand about this movie was the doctor character, and he keeps telling the the wife, you know, he's like. Oh, you know, he didn't get bit by a werewolf. He fell down the gully and shit like that. I fucking just annoyed. I'm like, this is such bad. This script is terrible. The gully. He fell the down gu- the gully. What he is it? What the, the hell the gully. is that? And I'm like, oh, he doesn't have claw marks. And I'm like, no, it's just a gash or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking so stupid. It's just so bad. So so then, of course, you get this melt scene. And uh, now he's a werewolf. But so what are you guys' thoughts on the end scene in this film? I mean, the whole it makes I mean, no do... sense like she she tricks him into going into this old church that was set up in the early parts of the film and this bell and then it like blows up and it makes no sense yeah exactly that's exactly how they, I feel they, about they it. try they tried to explain it through in the film with, with this how this uh church has this original bell uh from eastern europe and it was used or no, it was the only thing saved from this church that burnt down or whatever uh because they had a fire there for a reason, a reason, but apparently this works for this location now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it doesn't like so they have it in this church, but it, it allows them to call in the wolves and they'll all go into the church. And then she basically wheels a well, it was a vehicle, right? Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. She like a, a fiery vehicle and just and it explodes and kills all the werewolves. I'm like, what the fuck? Stupid. But at least it's action. Right. Like I was I was happy for that by the time we got there. 
that's the thing with this movie. It is one of the slowest paced, boring films that really nothing happens at all. There's like no werewolves. Damn it. I know. And then you get exactly about 10 minutes of this action and the film just ends. Mm -hmm. And it just ends too. Like there's no, it just ends. (laughs) Oh yeah. That place explodes credits and then ratings. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll go first again on this one. Um, I do think it's slightly better made than the third film. But it is not a good movie at all. I give it a three out of ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, exactly the exact same, exactly the same. I think it's a better made film. I'm also giving it a three out of ten, uh, and solely for the melt scene because it's so bizarre to me. Like yeah. a melting person that yeah. turns into a were- were- yeah. werewolf. I mean, I could see this whole idea. If, if the whole movie was about people melting and turning into werewolves and creating havoc and shit, now that is a good movie. The and incredible then you set that we- thing- melting werewolf. Exactly. And then you set that shit on a boat and it'd be amazing. Right. <laughs> it's choked him, but melting werewolves? Kind of like the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought the like the scene, like the, the whole premise of like the melting part was like very dumb, but it looked it looked all it right. I mean, cool. it wasn't yeah. horrible. It just it was cool looking, but I don't know. Like it looked like he was like basically there was jizz all over him basically, and then he turns into a werewolf, and I was like, wow, I guess <laughs> you fucking jizz and turn into a werewolf. But yeah, I, I literally gave this the exact same rating as all all you guys, both you guys. I gave it a three. I mean, they're really was not a whole lot of plot going on. I was more drawn to the mullets in this movie than anything. I really didn't give a shit about oh, the plot. There um, was some nice plumage. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it just was, it was definitely better made. Like you guys said, than the, than the third one, but at the same barely. time, it was boring. It was, yeah, barely, but it was still boring as shit. So, Oh, hella boring. Yeah. yeah. So with that said, moods gives it a three out of 10. I give it a three out of 10 and Kyle gives it a three out of 10 for a combined rating of nine out of 30. <laughs> so that means that this is another addition into the hall of pain. Two movies in a row. Wow. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Yes, so we move into 1989, which is the fourth sequel and the fifth movie made in the 80s uh, from the Halloween franchise. It's crazy. Yeah, it's the third in three years. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Directed by Neil Sunstorm, which I believe is a Swedish director. Um, It says the country of origins the UK which is really strange, obviously funded through the UK, but uh, the Howling Five, the Reborn from 1989, a group of strangers visit an ancient Hungarian castle and bring along a werewolf. (laughs) That's the worst (laughs) synopsis ever. Okay, so this is a full moon style castle where somebody is a werewolf and it's a whodunit. And that's, that's, there's a bunch of walking around and talking. Actually, this movie is shot in a real castle, um, which is kind of cool. I, I do like the castle. Like, I've seen it many times. That's one thing I love about Full Moon films is their castles and shit. Yeah. I always like castles. Because they always go on location to like Rome or something. Yeah, I love castles. I love the setting of a castle because it's big and it's mysterious. Because castles were literally built with secret passages in them for – you know, so they could hide inside the castle from their enemies and stuff like that. I always like that premise. I think it's fucking cool that they built those like that. But no, this castle is really fucking cool. Basically what this movie is, is a uh, big shout out to Louis, to Louise. Um, he stated one time that this movie is basically 10 little Indians by Agatha Christie. It's the same premise. Yeah. You know, a bunch of people get brought well. to this place. This, 
this place basically or a bunch of characters it's like what 10 of them or something mm-hmm. they're all brought to this castle and of course one of them is a werewolf they do not know who it is so it turns into a whodunit film and that's it's basically kind of a slasher-esque film with a werewolf people are getting picked off one by one in very slasher type ways and but it's done by a werewolf yeah kind of strange it is. You know, essentially, that's what it is. It's kind of strange. It's like a totally different premise than all the other films. But, you know, this one right here gives you the backstory story, in, which is set in 1489 in Budapest. And, yeah, you know, it's this little mini backstory about these people that were all fucking um, they were all slaughtered, basically. And uh, there was like this curse. And now present day, uh, what eventually people learn in the film is that, you know, they have no previous engagements to each other. They didn't know each other and they start to realize that they have this kind of weird connection. And it turns out that one of them is a werewolf. They're like a descendant of the, uh, the werewolf or the curse. And this person needs to be killed to end the curse. Yeah. So this one to me, uh, was way too long. Like I, I feel like this whole movie could have been done in 70 minutes. It well, was yeah, just, because the, whole, it was the just, whole time you're probably thinking full moon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I was just like, this feels like a full moon film. It should be 70 minutes. Why is it an hour and, what, 38 minutes? Ah, uh, dude, I this I one do, was I, the hardest one for me to watch. Really? really? That's that's really that's really saying a lot right there, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy, man. Um, I actually really enjoyed this movie, to be honest. I do agree it's way too long way too long they could have cut down so much random dialogue in the film that definitely wasn't needed it was not progressive dialogue whatsoever some bitching some whatever shitty acting you know stuff like that's going on um but i like the whole premise of this film i like the whole whodunit type thing and at least it was different they were trying something different but by no means is it a great film but i thought it was semi-entertaining I feel yeah. like you could just watch this one on fast forward and see all these characters zoom around, you know, well, like moving around and nothing. And you would still get the same movie. Essentially. Yeah. Because like, it's, it's kind of like the same scene over and over again. Like you again. don't even need dialogue. Just, just no, no, you don't No, no you get the setup in the beginning. You just have a silent film. You know, you know exactly what's going on. <laughs> I, I actually like the whole setting of this film. I liked it being in the castle. I love I the setting. Cool. I love, love that the they're castle. snowed in. I like the, I like that about it. But besides that, man, I was having trouble. And honestly, my transfer on this one was really dark. I don't know about you guys's. No, my transfer is actually really good. Yeah, this is one of the three on one disc films. So that would explain it. The transfer was not the greatest on this one. The other two films, it was fine. This one, it seemed extra dark. Yeah. Um, You know, honestly... I didn't really think like the the acting in this film was that bad. I thought some of the actors were actually quite kind of decent. Some, yeah, there is some hit and miss in with the acting in this film, but you know, and that's essentially what a lot of this is because there's just a lot of dialogue and shit that's going on in this film. Um, I, th- I found one thing that was kind of strange in this film. Some of the editing was really poor. It did have poor editing in it. It was kind of frantic at times, and it's just kind of like, yeah, why, why are you editing shit like that? Like it was just noticeable to me. You know, that's not usually a, a good thing, but, you know, I was noticing it 
the editing anyways so yeah i put in here there was a lot of really really quick scene jumps in the movie i guess like that kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier with that other film i think it was the second well, film it's really noticeable because the film itself is relatively slower and then when you have like this really frantic type editing it's really noticeable you're like all of a sudden it just kind of picks up the pace and the, the editor was like well we need a really fast scene here we're gonna edit this like this <laughs> it's like yeah no, you don't really need to do that, but you know, maybe just cut down some of the other scenes entirely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and keep the film one pace. I don't know, but I thought I thought like uh, kind of getting into some of the plot, like I, I thought that like uh it was kind of funny how people like throughout the movie were disappearing and nobody acted like they really gave a fuck that you know they were like, I mean, they gave a fuck, but they weren't like very concerned about it. Like, like they were like all like kind of kept a monotone type like feel to like the way they were acting. You mean the characters were going. stupid? Basically, they were. Yeah, they were just kind of dumb. And then like the ending itself to the film made really no sense. Like, I didn't really understand the ending. Like, it didn't really explain who the actual werewolf was. It just kind of like let you you see the chick smile but like does that mean that she was the werewolf like well that's always been a question about this film but it is explained i believe in like the the next couple sequels that it was her it was it was mary lou you know yeah, she, so yeah i forgot because they, they, they actually do say it in part seven and because they kind of go back to like a quick little jump in part six with mary lou and stuff yeah. like that and but even even that continuity or that story itself is all convoluted though too the, the continuity it, in these films the continuity it doesn't even make sense man. like why like the like the continuity like it like jumps all over the place in each film like it's like they take little bits of this film and put it in this film and then talk about little bits from this film and this film and it's just like don't do that just make fucking movies don't even have any continuity in them and just do a fucking movie because these yeah. movies were horrible with that something oh, yeah, that I, I actually always hate sequels that don't have continuity like i mean there's films that i can enjoy if it's a good movie at the end of the day i'm still gonna like it but i'm i'm a real like stickler for continuity like i really like continuity and these films have zero <laughs> continuity yeah me too man you know and and with a story like this i always felt like they could have probably even connected to, connected it to the first one you know yeah, because there's a, a reference like, just something you know exactly like they could have you know there is a backstory here why not just connect that backstory to what happened in the first one it's kind of put something together you can do it you yeah. can do it right it's just in a different location but it's still connected to that actual story they don't even try no. they really don't you know and it's kind of a shame because this franchise oh my god it's just there's the lack of continuity in this franchise is beyond ridiculous it just seems like every film is pretty much like a standout film yeah can i ask you what, the what, did, you, what did you actually like about this one besides the setting um, I actually like the whole premise. I, just the fact that, like, I like the whodunit because I'm a really big Giallo fan. But is like it the, a good whodunit? No, it's no, not. But... And actually, and actually, it's very problematic with whodunit too. Because I like the concept there... of the whodunit, but this is poor execution. Oh no, no, it's very poor. And there's actually a scene that contradicts if Mary Lou is the killer in this film, because there is a scene where someone gets taken out with Mary Lou laying in her bed. Yeah, I believe that's a scene, right? And so. It wouldn't make sense, uh, you know, in a film way, you know, that all of a sudden she is the one that kind of darted over here off screen and then took this person out. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the end of the film is is basically stating to you that it was her as the killer. So that kind of discredits that and also makes it very poorly written. <laughs> if that's what it is yeah. supposed to be, because it's it's very, very poorly done. Um, but, you know, at, at one point in this film, there's not really a lot of. 
there's not a lot of buildup to anybody. What I'm saying, anybody could have been the the were- werewolf in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, it's not leading one way or the other. Well, when you have anybody, most who done it, they set up red herrings and they set them up. They, they point out. Well, this film has no red herrings, whatsoever. and it's just like this one to me. It was just like just really. I guess random, like everything was just like, oh, this is happening now, this is happening, and, and, and no, there was no purpose or meaning to like anything. Yeah, it's kind of scene by scene without the without the uh, you know kind of foreshadowing or red herrings or any of that stuff going on. That's what I was saying about anybody could have been the werewolf. They just yeah. kind of it seemed like they just kind of shot this film and then went, okay, we're gonna throw in this little this little smile, this wide open smile at the end, and she's gonna be the killer, even yeah. though we kind of fucked that up with the bedroom scene. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I comes. didn't expect her at all to be like the werewolf, but like I thought it was the the. the but they like, do hint guy. at it, though. They yeah, do they hint did hint on it. They did hint at it, but I still thought it was the guy, the tour guy, the guy that was like the main yeah. guy, like showing them around. I thought it was him the whole time, and then she smiled at them, and I'm like, okay. Well. I always thought it was too obvious that it was going to be him, but and you know the thing is, they kind of make it so you kind of forget about her because she is the one that's in bed, you know, not feeling good and yeah, things like that. So that's their big kind of oh yeah, it is her. You know, she was the one that was kind of off doing her own thing. <laughs> it's like, and that's it. That's all you get from it. This film just has so, no weight. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't have any weight, but most of these you know, films don't have any weight. <laughs> yeah, but I'm telling you, man, this one was a struggle and a half for me, man. This, I don't know. Like, okay, so this I just was, didn't care about anything. All these people sucked. All the I whatever they were doing, I was just like. I kept having to rewind it because I was like, I can't even pay attention to these assholes. <laughs> yeah. So how did you – like this was the very first one I watched I guess would have been on Wednesday night, right? So I don't know. I was still fresh and you know – Well, this was my third night, in so. one night. <laughs> yeah, see, and, that, and that probably plays a big factor into it because like I said, this was the first movie that day I'd watched and I was like – Dude, I wrote a lot of fucking notes on this movie. Like, like I told you, I actually what? stopped taking notes on this one because I was like, I don't even – there's nothing to say. What am I going to say? These people suck. It's, it was mostly just a lot of thoughts and stuff like that. I'm just like – I mean I have one here. I'm like some tits and ass in the pool. <laughs> yeah. So at least they throw some tits and ass in there. It's like I don't even know what the hell that thing was. It's like – it's just like a pool of water in there. I don't know. It's kind of strange. I guess that's what they have in castles. I don't know. But – um. At least the biggest thing for me with this movie is that it wasn't boring to me, at least, you know, because like I said, even though it was a poorly done whodunit film, it didn't have the elements that make a good uh, whodunit film successful. It didn't have any of that. Uh, the setting and, you know, honestly, a lot of the characters are like they're not like uber annoying, but they're not smart. They're just kind of poorly written, undeveloped characters that you really don't care about, which is another big problem for the film, because these people getting picked off one by one. It's like one of those slasher films where there's nothing unique everybody... about them. You don't even have exactly. to like them or dislike them. Just make them unique. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They're not, you know, they, I think they do state what their, you know, what their occupations are and stuff, but it's like, who gives a shit, man? Yeah. Do you remember? Like exactly. <laughs> no, because it doesn't fucking matter. No, it's like, just because you're a doctor and you cook bread for a living doesn't separate you guys at all. Regardless, you guys are in this castle and you're both going to die and you're so you're the same person. <laughs> so I like the idea of like the concept like, oh, it's going to be a slasher with a werewolf and it's a whodunit and they're all stuck in this place and they can't leave. And there's going to be, you know, there's there, of course, there, it's like Scooby Doo, like they're splitting up and shit. But like, I love that idea. It's just they like it was just so disappointing. Kind of reminded me of like a Resident Evil video game, kind of the way it was laid out in that castle, because like. 
in the first Resident Evil game, they're in like a big mansion and they're having to figure out like where everything is and who did this and who did that. Yeah, or like House on Haunted Hill or something. Yeah, it reminds me of that. To be honest with you, man, I, I like this movie. I didn't think it was like the. I, I don't. I hated the plot. Don't get me wrong. I thought the plot was boring, but I just like. I think the setting was pretty much everything I liked about the movie. It's like I just like things like mood set, like Who Done It type films. Like it I love Who Done It. It's just like that set. It's kind of like that house on Haunted Hill thing. You know, a bunch of people are just kind of brought together inside this house and then or this castle or whatever. I mean, it's different than house on house on Haunted Hill. Of course, storylines are way different, but same type of premise. These people. But, you know, these these people actually have something in common, which is what it is. I mean, that's not even fully explained either. It's like how all these people related and they don't know <laughs> you know it's yeah. like they're so closely related that they have the same mark on them but they don't really know any yeah. i was like what of the each hell? other is this thorn fucking yeah that, that's six ridiculous. and shit i just I, it, it made me laugh too because like the scar that was on their arm or their birthmark or whatever was just so pronounced too yeah oh god nobody noticed that yeah i know yeah, it's like a perfect triangle <laughs> like okay like it's a fucking illuminati symbol <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah god damn yeah yeah, this one right here, there's not really a whole lot to say about it because it's just such a simple premise. I mean, I thought I thought there was scenes that were shot pretty decently, um, you know, but unfortunately, there's just really lacks in kills and stuff. Like if you're going to make like a slasher esque werewolf film, you know, at least work on the kills, you know, have people get ripped apart, you know, focus on that aspect because that's what you're setting up to be. It's a slasher film with a werewolf. Let's see some fucking torn out throats and let's see some shit i mean you know those are the things i don't necessarily need but for a film like this yeah i do so i think at this point in time with these movies we have a we have an underlying uh reason why these aren't that great of films uh and that is clive turner at this point (laughs) (laughs) like he's had something to do with almost every sequel so far and I think he's one of the only ones that's had something to do with almost every sequel. And I guess he just fucking sucks. Cause that's the only <laughs> thing I can say about that. He just sucks. Don't be hating on Clive Turner. Shit. Okay. <laughs> wait till the seventh film. And then you'll <laughs> we'll talk about that. It's going to get bad. So can we go into ratings on this piece of shit? Yeah. And that's really, yeah. The only reason why I got that directing job too, right? Just, he was always involved with something. I was like, I can make a movie. <laughs> uh, what do you got? Moods? Um, yeah, oddly enough, man, I, I kind of enjoy this one for what it is. Um, but I do agree. It's not a great movie by any means. There's so many things that could have been just done better. I feel like I I could write a better movie than this. No lie. Like, I'm not even joking. Like I could write a better movie than this. (laughs) That's bad. I mean, I'm not a screenwriter. I mean, it's a good possibility, right? Um, yeah, this one right here, like I said, I do like the setup. I like the setting. Uh, there's just there's it's very problematic though. The ending's kind of ambiguous, I guess, to a point. Well, ambiguous Doesn't... is different than like just stupid and like con uh, yeah. conflicting. I, well, that's the thing. Like I've even heard from people that it wasn't her, and I was like, well, they do kind of say it is in the other ones, and blah blah blah. And they're like, no, it's totally him. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, it, it it is it is her. It's just poorly executed, but. You know, for what it is, it's definitely a, a film that I'm, doesn't have a lot of rewatchability to me. I didn't think it was like like a terrible, terrible film. I'm actually going to give this one a pass at a 5 out of 10. <sighs> Kyle? Um, I, I, I pretty much 
I'm pretty much agreeing with moods with pretty much all of it. I mean, I, I think that this movie has was plot whole city. I think the ending was for me, at least I just didn't, I didn't like the ending. I thought it was confusing. Didn't really understand the, I don't know if it, it reminded the ending to this movie reminded me of Freddy versus Jason. You remember when like fucking Freddy comes out and Jason's holding his head and he winks. It just kind of like reminded me of something stupid like that. And like, I don't know. Like, I I like the. I think for me, this, with this movie, the setting was everything. Like, if it wasn't didn't have the setting and like have the plot of like the whodunit plot, I think this movie would have been ten times. I would have thought this movie was ten times worse. But even though the plot was boring, I was still interested to see them going in different parts of the of the you know the castle and you know seeing what happened and you know there wasn't a lot of action going on, but it still was pretty cool to watch, I guess. And I I gave it exactly what he gave it a five out of ten. So, <sighs> guys, this one to me was just just almost unbearable. This was like making me rethink the decision to do the Howling films. I didn't really like anything besides the setting, but I'm not going to give the setting five points. Fuck that. This thing is everything we mentioned was below average. Everything besides the setting. Literally everything we talked about was bad. This is a fucking terrible movie. 2.5 out of 10. Garbage. <laughs> what <laughs> two and a half holy shit that's low yeah it gets one point for being a movie and one point for the setting and a half point for i don't even know what is it what, what can i just the snow i guess the snow <laughs> the, t- the tits <laughs> yeah okay there you go god what did you what did you rate that one a it was five. a five i gave it a five you guys are out of your minds I didn't I think really it was that bad of a one, film. Dude, I, I mean, hated it so It wasn't much. like the worst film in this franchise by any means at all, or even really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it's probably it not I mean, the worst film in the franchise, but it is definitely the least entertaining for me. De- definitely, hands down, not even competition. God, man, I, did you even watch? I watched all of them. New That's Moon crazy. Rising? Did you watch that fucking movie? I God, all right so moving into the 1990s now so the first one from the 90s the first of two films from the 90s uh and this one's called howling six the freaks they drop the why do they do that shit yeah why 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 do you got to change that shit up man you know it's just i i guess you know why would they stick with the continuity right yeah (laughs) yeah uh so this one yeah. was made the year I was born, and I always like to look at like the ni- 1991 horror films because there's just so few like great ones, and uh, you know this this is one that I hadn't seen that was made the year I was born. Yeah, so a villainous carnival owner traps a young werewolf to include his growing uh, menagerie of inhuman exhibits. Menagerie, menagerie, whatever. The fucking people that make up his carnival. <laughs> <laughs> Carnies. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a bunch of freaks. And yeah. And of course, that guy is played by Bruce Payne. He's a carnival owner. And he's kind of an evil carnival owner because he's, well, he's a dickhead. He's a dickhead. Aren't they all evil? Haven't we learned he anything is. from cinema? But the thing about this guy is that he's actually evil. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's actually you know. evil. Not figuratively. So this movie right here is kind of a it's kind of a strange one. It kind of minutely dips into like you didn't even say like, who he was played by. Yeah, I said Bruce Payne. Oh, the yep. the guy who inspired the Hall of Pain. Bruce exactly. Painful. Yes. Now this movie right here is kind of like it's supposed to be like a revenge film in a way. 
uh, about this guy that, you know, he basically comes to the small town and he's wants to get revenge on Bruce Payne, who's his character's name is Harker, which is named after the Dracula character, of course. Right. Um, he essentially wants to get revenge on him because he's learned that this guy is responsible for killing his family. And yeah, so there's a little bit more going on in there. You know, he takes a job at a what? what what's the place he takes a job at? <laughs> he's fixing up an old like an old church like an old church or something like that so he gets taken in by this family he's picking up this church anyways uh he starts his relationship up with the uh the owner's daughter and yeah so it's it's kind of like a revenge film disguised as a werewolf film i don't know i I really it's just it's so it's executed really poorly in the revenge aspect but it is there it's in the storyline you know they talk about how his family was you know obviously slaughtered and but uh, again this is a strange film this is basically your kind of typical story of good versus evil mm-hmm. right yeah. so we got this werewolf who's not the antagonist but he's portrayed as the antagonist in the film yeah but we also have a, a antagonist werewolf as well yes we do but, you know, for the most part, he is actually portrayed as the antagonist. But I, honestly, man, the the storyline in this film, I hate the storyline in this film. Really? Yeah. I like I this absolutely. one way better. Than I actually, way I actually better. like this movie. It's yeah. executed. It, the storyline is there. It's just not executed properly, man. Like this whole revenge thing is, the, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's just not done well like what did you guys what did you guys like about the storyline in this because well, first I, of all go ahead kyle well i was gonna say i like the i like i kind of like the main guy the little like the drifter guy i think he's like he's like <laughs> like as an actor the actor portrayed i guess what they were probably trying to write him in for they portrayed him very well because he is very odd in the movie and like i think that's what they were looking for is a very quiet odd drifter that doesn't really get angry and just kind of like goes with the flow i kind of like that the, the he's acting definitely really... the best developed character in the past three or four yes. films that we've had yes. yeah and... I think it was a breath of fresh air to just to watch it because the last couple of ones were weren't that great and this oh, one i agree was... i agree his character definitely is developed yeah but yeah i don't know it, it, it and that's the, about it <clears throat> i thought the soundtrack was a little weird for the movie personally I remember like like watching it. And I was like, it didn't. The soundtrack didn't really go well with the. I think it was because it, it came out in '91, and they kind of <laughs> were straying away from that '80s vibe, and it just was very odd for a movie that was trying to go for a horror theme. So, I don't know. Yeah, I liked that. Um, I actually didn't mind Bruce Payne, honestly. Like, I felt like he actually, you know, as crazy as this sounds, you know, because we've bashed this guy in the past, but. Out of like the last couple movies, like he's like the best actor we've seen in like the last couple movies, <laughs> and that's saying a lot. Probably, I agree with that actually. And I was just like, okay, we actually have like a powerful villain right now. You know what I mean? Like, it, not maybe you know, in the world of the Howling films, right? Like, obviously, exactly. I'm not comparing this to anything good, but in the world of the Howling films, like, oh, we actually have like a strong villain type character for once. So I was kind of digging that. I love the carnival setting, you know, the alligator boy and stuff. It, that, I dig that stuff, man. Right away, I was into the 
to the setting of it and the freaks. Like, I thought it was actually kind of a good idea because, like, why not? Why not have a werewolf as one of your freaks in a carnival? That's a pretty good yep. idea, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea, too. What did you guys think of the uh, when they went to the carnival and that guy bit that chicken head off? <laughs> that was first weirdo. Thing, first thing it's I was thinking weird. of was Loose of, the, Loose of the Geek, man. Yeah. The movie. It's exactly what he does. But. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, one note, this is the first film in the franchise where the werewolves transform on full moons. So they kind of changed up the mythology within the franchise right there. Kind yeah. of went back to like the true mythology of werewolves. but Old school. Yeah, the old school mythology. So, Thought And they also make them very old school in terms of like the wolfman style werewolf where they're not really these like beastly freaks they're more of these just like very human features like the face is like yeah. very human form and they're just hairy they're like hairy bulky people yeah and honestly the makeup in this film is atrocious it looks really bad <laughs> yeah it's it not- looks like it, it looks like it was put together in like five minutes like quite literally it looks like full moon dude it looks worse than Full Moon. Dude, Full Moon's pretty bad. But Maybe not really those bad. early like, films, but like the ones like, in the 90s were awful. You could tell. They, they just put like this brown shadow like on the end of his nose. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so cheap looking, man. It's hilarious. But yeah, I, I like the setting in this film, man. I like some of the, the alligator boy. And, you know, the, the setting, like the carnival setting itself is like super cheap looking. But if you've ever been to one of those carnivals, that's exactly what they look like. Yeah. So it's it kind of authentic feeling a little bit, but with some over the top type characters and things like that. But yeah, yeah that's it, what you're gonna... it, at the end of the day, like this film is definitely I wouldn't even consider it good, but no. I, I feel like it has a lot more entertainment factors. You know, the carnival, yeah. the alligator boy, the guy biting the chicken off a head, Bruce Payne. <laughs> I, I was a little more entertained than the fifth film with this film, honestly. Honestly, I just wish they had a focus more on the revenge fact because technically that's kind of why he was there. You know, like he knew about it. This guy, Harker, killed his family and stuff like that. But it turns into this thing where he gets basically captured by Harker, of course, and then becomes, you know, one of the freaks in the carnival and then ultimately becomes the antagonist because the city or the, you know, the county wants to kill him because these people are getting killed around the town, which you know ultimately find out it's not him doing that yeah but they really focus on that whole the city making him the antagonist and they kind of forget about the fact that it's supposed to be kind of a revenge film he's supposed to be getting revenge against him but it's more about this the town the the sheriff and the people hunting down him and i'm just like what happened i actually like that because it adds a few different layers to the story like it's almost like your frankensteinian type concept after that where it's like the monster doesn't want to be the monster but the townsfolk see him as the monster and he's getting framed by the very guy that he's after you know yeah. like stuff like yeah that. it's basic it's it's that, basic screenwriting you know it's yeah. basic concepts yeah. and stories and and uh story I think it worked a lot better hundreds I think of times i think that would have worked a lot better if they never had the revenge aspect in there you could still have that whole plot right there you know, without the whole revenge aspect, he, he was just a drifter that came into town and blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of focus on this and that. But, but I feel like the final battle makes it more of a big deal because there's that that history there. I don't know. I felt like I feel like it's. Yeah. I mean, of course, you're going to have that type of feel because that's essentially what it's supposed to come down to. But I feel like I, I just wish it had been more of a buildup in the film instead of just bam. OK, now we're fighting, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. thing. 
I don't know. I just felt like it was very undeveloped for the actual main purpose of it. And I feel like it's lost in translation within the story because they're really focusing on making this guy the antagonist. And, oh, Bruce Painful, you know, he's this uh, he's this really nice carnival owner, blah, blah. No, fuck. I don't yeah. know, man. I, I, I personally thought that it was, they spent a fair share on each side I, f- I felt like it i felt like for the type of you know I, it's so weird to like say good things about this film because it's actually not good but i'm saying like in the world of like these films like i thought it was acceptable for for the type of for the low quality film that it was uh, i didn't really have a huge issue i felt <laughs> like they spent a- enough time on on each thing and honestly like i felt like this one just has more depth than than the other ones we've talked about, like the the turmoil of you know they give him the cat and they're like feast watches he feasts on the cat or whatever you know and he doesn't like it, it's so played out we've seen that a million times but in the <laughs> for what this film is like that adds a little bit more depth. I agree. To the other ones. I agree. This one definitely has a lot more depth, but in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily make it good oh, either. It's not. No. Definitely right. not good. You know, it's just I I. I just really wanted to see this full out revenge and it's just, I feel like the story is just lost. You know, maybe it's a lack of direction again. I don't know, but you know, and ultimately the, the film itself is, it's kind of slow paced also, you know, there's, there's very not that exciting in the middle of the film. It's not that exciting at all. You know, and you got the semi exciting kind of third act and stuff and it's like okay mixed in with some i don't know i want to say maybe atrocious makeup or really bad rubbery mask on on harker (laughs) what is that like okay some some okay type of transformations with like hands and stuff that weren't that bad Uh, oh the severed hand it was severed hand yeah that was i mean that was okay it was that that was some okay stuff i mean it wasn't i mean the overall look of harker which you know I don't know. I don't know. It just felt kind of like he managed to me or something. I don't know. There's something funny. He, kinda, he, he had look at makeup on the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess the whole idea of like werewolf versus vampire, you know, the good versus evil type thing. Um, it's okay. But I think there's things that are lost in the translation in this film that really do hurt it for me. So. So, uh, I, I mean, do you guys have much more on this one? We pretty much, I mean, this is a pretty simple fucking, honestly, simple concept to a movie, to one of these movies. Yeah, they're getting more simple as we move on. There's very, very simplistic, you know, there's really, it's because the idea, the lack of ideas for, I mean, like, some of these movies have good ideas, but the lack of, like, direction and, like, you know, output of what they're doing is there's really not a whole lot to talk about. It's just, that's it. (laughs) There's just, there's, like, there's just really bad things in the script. Like, you know, when... Um, what Ian is the main character. He uh, like how he escapes the carnival, like how he escapes the uh, the cage. Like they couldn't yeah. come up with a better idea yeah. than that. Like, it just I, seemed yeah, yeah. it just seemed really lame, like really really bad. And I was like, really? That's how he got out of there? Come on! Yeah. There's so much lame <laughs> shit in these movies. <laughs> like like all like super super lame. <laughs> I actually started laughing. I even wrote in my notes. I'm like, ha! Ah, he escapes. Ha ha! Pure hilarity. <laughs> 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 it's like so fucking stupid uh but uh, although i i will laugh i will say that i laugh really hard at the the mayor's death where <laughs> fucking, oh yeah where harker picks him up and throws him right through the fucking roof yeah. of the of the trailer that shit was funny. <laughs> that's not ringing a bell i think i might have missed oh. that 
oh my god that part it's just the way it happens he just kind of picks him up and like he goes right through the roof <laughs> i'm like what the fuck <laughs> i start pissing myself yeah. laughing it's, it's so silly so silly but uh i don't know man transformation scene in the end with uh with harker Woo. Mm. that is some like real early kind of cg i guess is what we're what we're saying yeah, or makeup, or I don't know what the fuck that is, man. What, some what? of that early stuff is even hard to tell. It's so yeah, because some of the early stuff is still like in camera shit that yeah. they're doing. Yeah, it's like weird. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm real bad with. I wish I actually would learn a little bit more of like names of certain techniques. <laughs> like I know stop motion, I know you know CG, and I know prosthetics. But like, there's so many other types well, there, of I, things out there that I don't know about. I, I do know that there is one. Uh, I know the effect that they use in the next film. <laughs> I know that much, at least, you know, with the, the POV red shots and stuff. I know how they did that. But um, as for, like, this other type of stuff, I'm not too not too in tuned with it either. So You guys want to know but, some funny facts? Yeah, sure. Funny facts. So, uh, Harker was named after Jonathan Harker from Dracula. <laughs> I think Moon's mentioned that. Did yeah, I did that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it says here, this is the only Howling film between, I guess, four and six, or no, four and five, or whatever IV and VII is. I fucking can never. Six and seven. Six and seven. Okay. The only no, Howling five and film seven between six and seven that Clive Turner was not involved in. Yeah. Um, I, I think you said V1 and V11. No, IV and VII. Four, oh, four, four five, seven. and seven. Clive yeah. Turner were involved in six. He was not. Um, Mary Lou from the previous sequel, The Rebirth, has a brief non-speaking cameo as a circus audience member in the beginning of the film, although her quick appearance won't be referenced until the following sequel, New Moon Rising. Oh, and that, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's the part I was talking about, how she yeah. was in all three films, because they actually do bring that up. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And uh, here's some one more thing. Uh, when the sheriff attempts to arrest Mr. Harker, the microphone is visible for several seconds bef- for several seconds above Mr. Harker's head. So the boom, the boom mic. mic was like yeah. visible in the movie. Uh, as in walks off at the end of the film, the shadow of the camera. And oh yeah, the boom mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the ground briefly. Uh, so, yeah, you could see the camera and the boom mic in the fucking movie. So that That's right. Yeah, I, ca- I, I didn't see the camera, but I caught the boom mic, though I have it written down. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, Forgot to mention that, actually. Production goofs there, I guess. Yep. So. Yeah. Low budget low budget cinema at its best, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> so, you guys want to get into ratings on this? Yeah. There's yeah. not really a whole lot to say about this one, man. Ugh. Kyle, I think it's your turn to go first. Yeah, I mean, I can go first. Um, I actually, I actually sort of like this movie, even though it was really poorly executed, like most of the other ones. Um, I, I just like the premise of the circus. Uh, I like the the Harker character. I thought he was very, uh, you know, like Mood said, he was a, he's an asshole, and I kind of like that. Uh, and I liked In's character, like I, the character of In. Uh, I thought that he was you know, developed a lot more than the previous films. I kind of judged this movie off of watching the last three fucking films. And I really like this movie probably more than the last three films. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, it wasn't great. It was executed poorly. The acting was, eh, was spotty. Uh, and there was a lot of plot holes that really didn't make a whole lot of sense. But at the end of the day, I was more entertained by this film than the, the previous films that we've talked about, the previous three films that we've talked about. So I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I, I thought it wasn't that, I didn't think it was that bad where it deserved anything under like a five. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so, crazy like how we're starting to have such different opinions on these films. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll go, go next. Uh, this one, I'm with Kyle on some things. Like, I think that this one is the better out of the ones that we've seen recently, The you know, the previous three or so. Um, it just has something that I like about it. It was easy to watch for me. This one wasn't like a grind, like part five, where it was just like the worst thing ever. <laughs> this one I actually didn't have a bad time with. It's a bad movie. Like, I can't really say that it's it's a good movie. I give this one a four out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I stated what I liked and didn't like about the film. Uh, I just feel like the story could have been so much better. Uh, just a little lost in translation with things that I think they were trying to accomplish, but they didn't. Um, I do like the setting, though. I, I love anything to do with Carnival. I, I always seem to be let down by Carnival films, though. It's so mm-hmm. strange. Like, every time I watch them, I'm like, that could have been better. I guess I'm always expecting too much from that Carney setting, but that eh, is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this one three and a half out of ten. Jesus. How is this one not better than the other one? Because this one is like... Oddly enough, like freakishly boring in parts. I'm just like, ugh. I think that's we why I gave it a five. We literally said nothing 5. good about the last one other than the setting. You said the same thing about this one. No, I this... no, I didn't. I said I found it pretty entertaining that it was like a whodunit, and I was intrigued. I wanted. No, to you find said the concept who... was entertaining. The execution was not. Yeah. Okay. But I'm also saying I liked the fact it was a whodunit. So I really liked the fact that I want that I. I, I wanted to stick around and find out who the fuck it was. Like I was intrigued that enough, you know, it was more intriguing than this film. So what was the so, rating on this one? Three and a half. 3.5. I mean, there's no, there's nothing there. There's no mystery. It's like, it's, it's all right in front of your face. I mean, if they had have, you know, revealed that Bruce Payne was a vampire, like, you know, at the end and it was kind of more of a mystery and stuff. And it was like, well, okay. But I guess, but then again, I guess his name does give it away though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't yeah. really play off that because they blatantly named him after the character. But yeah, it is what it is. I don't know, man. I just don't really think it's that great. It's definitely but, not great at all. Four out of ten is bad. But I just I that last one, man. I just I nothing has nothing to it, man. But um, let's uh, move on to. <laughs> 1995. Let's move on to the best one out of the entire fucking four year, four years later. Yes, with uh, not the Howling, Howling, New Moon Rising, <laughs> New Moon Rising. <laughs> oh God! Directed by Clive Turner, like we've talked about in the past. Here, um, was involved with a few other films. I, I still to this day I can't figure this out exactly why this movie was made, but <laughs> all right, a number of brutal werewolf-like slains began occurring in a small California town after arrival of an unfamiliar motorcyclist. <laughs> yeah. So, ugh, God. I, I, this I, setup, man. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus Murphy. Fucking, this movie is literally, I, I want to hear, like, like when anybody, anytime anybody ever talks about this movie, that what I want to hear is, Howlin' Seven, New Moon Rising. That's exactly... That sums up the entire film. It's a redneck wannabe the, werewolf. This movie isn't even a fucking movie. It's just a. It's just a. It's just it's a combination. Country, it's just a country music video with line dancing and over. <laughs> like there's full scenes of band play. Yes. They play the whole songs and guys performing and whole scenes of line dancing and so much filler. This movie is ninety fucking minutes. And to top that off, with all that bullshit that's going on, they have basically. Uh, 
you know, stock footage or they're using footage from parts, you know, five or four and five. No, yeah, four and five. And I guess six, too, um, for a brief second. And to tell this story of this detective who's investigating these murders and he's being told by the priest of the town and he's telling him this backstory that really is just the worstly executed fucking thing I've ever heard of. Because, first of all, how in the shit does this guy even know all this stuff? I don't. Dude. that's a big problem with the film like because he even states there's one point in the film and i think the detective even asks the priest like how do you know this stuff and he's like well i just know this stuff <laughs> like yeah. that's his excuse for it there was no like, explanation whatsoever like there's no explanation on why this priest knows all this backstory and, and all this werewolf business he's like i just know stuff about werewolves he was like, I've always known the theories of werewolves. <laughs> That's what he fucking says in the film. And the detective's just like, yeah, I guess so, right? Like, totally. Oh, my God. But one interesting fact about this film is that we can't really say that the acting was shitty in this film because none of the people were actors. They used the real townspeople in this film. And, in fact, most of the people that are in this film are playing themselves. And yeah. a lot of the jokes and a lot of the interactions and stuff are these are everyday people that hang out with each other every single day. So I found that to be kind of intriguing. But yeah. it really does show in the film because this is not a movie. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to hit on that really quick. That something I read or I'm looking at right now is the reason they they use those. Well, the reason they didn't change any of the I guess you can call them actors or whatever you want to call them. The people in the movie's names is because they are. It says here they had a hard enough time remembering their lines and they didn't want to have to change their names to confuse them. Mm-hmm. That's because they were too busy with their synchronized drinking. Yeah. <laughs> fucking scene man yeah it's the funniest oh thing that ever. was when they were sitting at the bar and they're all drinking the same taking yeah, a shot chase it back with a beer push their glasses in and they're all just oh my god it's, it's so fucking thing, cheesy man it's, it's so cheesy uh it says here here's a another little funny thing they said about this film cinema craze said asking anyone to watch the howling new moon rising should be punishable by jail time and some kind of psychological examination <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we should be committed. You know what, yeah. man? I'll tell you one thing about this movie. <laughs> if you say anything positive about this, I'm going to fucking slap the shit out of you if I ever see you. Clive Turner, the, this guy, <laughs> like he, he must have really enjoyed his time on The Howling 4 and 5. I know, right? Like, it, it's almost like he's like, nobody wants to, It's like I could just see him like sitting there on the couch, all depressed, waiting for that call for another Howling film. And he's just like, it's never going to happen. Like, they're over. And then he's like, one day he gets, he just is like, he looks in the mirror and he's like, he sees himself and he's just like, you know what? You can do this yourself. You don't need to wait on people. You go out there and make the best damn howling film you can. You are a winner, Clyde. He took $250,000, went to a random town and said, fuck it, let's do it. So, so Clive Turner goes out there. He gets all his buddies at the bar. And he's like, we're going to make the best goddamn howling film we could ever make with just us. I'm going to edit the film. I'm going to write the film. I'm going to direct the film. I'm going to star in the film. It's going to be so damn cool. And then we're going to make a bunch of money in the video store, guys. And so he, I give him uh, mad props for going out there and making a movie, <laughs> doing everything. He did the goddamn editing. Like, this was clearly his movie. Like, he just went out. He probably didn't even have the rights to it. He just went out and was like, made his own howling film. And then he was like... Here, you know, I'll whatever the company that what put out the other ones. He's like, here, you know, I made a new one. You're like a new one, really? You made a whole movie out on your own, <laughs> really? And he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, we'll give you like uh, ten thousand dollars for it. And we'll put it in all the video stores. And he's like, success. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, he had to have something like some kind of still involvement within the last, you know, within the franchise still, because he took scenes from the original Nightmare, the Rebirth and the Freaks. He took scenes from those movies and put them in this movie. Yeah. So he had to have some kind of involvement with those people. I swear to God, like, I would love to talk to this guy. I feel like he just was really like these films. It was a passion project. He's like, I'm going to make sense of this all. And then he realized how much harder it is to make a film when you don't have like a studio giving you a bunch of money. And, and, you know, he tried to make sense of it. And honestly, there's nothing to work with. These films are completely different movies, you know, the, the, and he tried to make some sort of continuity. So as like just this weird way, I almost kind of give these like non-direct props to just, or just maybe like a nod, like, let's see what you did, man. Like good, good effort. But at the end of the day, I like the fact that he, I like the fact that he like, he showed, he showed the the fans of the Howling franchise that it was Mary Lou who was the killer in, in part five. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they even made a point of pointing that out, which everyone up to that point was like, Oh, good job, Clive. That, 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 that a boy, (laughs) you know, everyone's so fucking confused, but, and you know, Kyle, you're probably going to cock back your hand now, but there's certain things that I do actually like about this movie. And I actually like this setting. This like, it's like a goddamn, I listen, my grandpa was a biker. All right. I spent a lot of time as, as a child in biker bars. All right. These people seem a little bit more like of the retired age biker that's, bars. But that's they, awesome parenting. They do <laughs> He's like, like, come to the biker bar with me, sonny. Fuck it. Well, I actually do like that kind of parenting a little bit because it taught me about the real world early on. But, you know, it, it, these people feel like kind of homely. Like, I always remember these people were really nice. Like I remember being a kid and they were super like the old woman or something was like always super nice. And they were like, even though they're, they have this like reputation of being like these bad people, like everybody was so nice to me as a kid. And it kind of reminded me of that a little bit and like all the music and shit everybody's playing. And one of the things in particular that really took me back was when Clive Turner is like, I bet you I could drink this beer without touching my hat. Like, all the time in these bars, people would have these like tricks or card tricks or all these different things that was like passed down from generation or whatever. And it really reminded me of like an old bar trick that that I would have seen as, you know, a youngster or whatever. I, so I the, like stuff about that, man. It's, it's kind so of, essentially, it's it's just very nostalgic to you. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, it's like not, literally, on to you. Not, you literally <laughs> just said nothing that had to do with yeah. any kind of werewolf or film <laughs> whatsoever. Because <laughs> it's not a movie, man. It's just a fucking... It's just a, it's a country song. Yeah. I'll take <laughs> like, a fucking, I'll take dude, my hat and fucking do some hat tricks in front of you and you'll, you can like, I, like that instead of this movie. I can't even get over how many scenes in this film are just like band playing and like that old guy performing that song where it's like, everyone stand up and yeah. like standing up and shit. I'm like, what the fuck I bet is going they, on? I bet this came out. I bet when CMT, like early days of CMT would have fucking played this movie. Guaranteed. Listen, so, it's like, just, it, it just, probably obviously like has a passion for <laughs> bars, bikers, uh, howling films, and country music. He's a redneck <laughs> horror film, like <laughs> Just like I'm gonna make my own damn movie. So he's got, so he's got a passion for making movies, but he doesn't theoretically know anything about making a movie, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's like really no script here, rehashing stuff. I mean, the effects and the, I mean, basically what we get in this film is a point of view. Uh, shot of a werewolf with a red lens on a camera and that's... somebody might have died i'm not really sure <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing right it's like yeah, you that's can't like, tell. This, this movie has no suspense it has basically absolutely no story uh cinematography is it's just like it was shot like it's just it's like you're just filming a band 
You know, it's just like that still shots and oh my god. I guarantee he paid There's really not a lot of method to it. He paid the actors or I get they're not even actors, but he paid the people in this movie with drinks. He didn't even give them money. I guarantee I'd guarantee you, you nobody made any money or drinks. They just was like he's oh, I no, asked he had favor. To give drinks. I guarantee you he's like, Here, I'll give you three no, quarters. Probably the bar where he was like, Hey, I'll put your bar in a movie. <laughs> they probably gave supplied the drinks. You know what I mean? Like probably I got he probably went to the store, got five twenty four <laughs> packs, gave each one of them three beers and said read just act normal and just i'll film you and that's it just drink these beers talk about some werewolf bullshit and i'll film you and that's it i I don't even know what else to say about like a movie like that's that that's (sighs) i don't think it is like i honestly don't even think it is a movie like and let's be honest here you know as far as you know plot and story goes and stuff he tries to throw in like a twist in the end of the film the exposure, whatever it is. Yeah. Is that not the most predictable shit ever? Oh, I mean, yeah. this is what I'm saying. It's like, like really? Like, that's what you're trying to do? That yeah. was really, really predictable, man. Really predictable and just obvious. I was like, oh, God. How about, the, uh, how about that? Although I, I did laugh once. I did laugh once in this film with the Vatican joke. <laughs> They're making oh, yeah. fun of the Vatican. That was pretty good. Isn't the Vatican just doing that to themselves? <laughs> well, I, I laughed hard as fuck with that uh, that video clip I sent you guys of the guy. You know, he answered the phone, the priest, and the, the chick's on the other line. And, you know, her voice changes when they cut back to the priest. It sounds like a completely different woman. Like oh, on the, the dub over? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounded yeah. Hor- That was the worst dubbing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that was done way after the fact. They didn't have her anymore. They're like, well, we need a voice here. <laughs> so you want to come in and do this scene? Yeah. Terrible, man. Mullets and mullets and ugly fucking people. Mullets, cowboy hats, country music, and that's it. That's basically this whole entire movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just a really bad country like, music video. So the I like it. I, watched I like this. it. Do what? I actually like it. There is no possible way that you like this. I liked it. Dude. I don't it was, know what the wrong listen, with. it's not a movie. Like you said, it's a country music video, but I just happened to like that video. And I don't even like country music. <laughs> I was going to say, and that's actually <laughs> one of the funniest things about the movie, too, is the music is just, it's that total, like, I, I, nobody knows, old country western twangy. I, it's fucking, cool, man. <laughs> I like uh, that music. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, dude, like this is this is like I honestly didn't even have a hard time watching this one. Like I found it like cheesily just like um, I, I, what's the word like endearing almost like it's just like you wanted to pat little Clive Turner on the head like like you made a movie, <laughs> you know, just I like bet he's, I bet he was movie. like I bet he was like Tommy Wiseau with this movie when he when Tommy Wiseau made the room like he thought it was like the shit. He's like, man, this is going to be the best movie ever. And then like people just like hilariously laughed at it and were like thinking it was horrible but he thought it was really good for a long period of time and nobody like he never knew nobody like people thought it was really bad yeah. like i have a feeling it was yeah like that. yeah probably that or like you know everybody <laughs> like you just want to be like you made a movie but good job <laughs> you know like like obviously this movie's terrible but like it's almost like you you see your child's drawing and it's like yeah it sucks but you good job but you don't tell them that you're just like good job you you did a good job, bud. What about the uh, what about the uh, cover of this movie? <laughs> I don't know which yeah. cover I got. I got the UK release. 
Well, whatever yeah, it is, it's, it's it's a shitty cover, but it had literally is the complete opposite of anything to do with the actual fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you look at the cover and you're like, really? That's like the, the cover's better than anything to do with the fucking movie, but the cover still sucks. Doesn't it feel like it's not even like an official like movie, like an official sequel? Like, it feels like it shouldn't even be like like somebody else just like went and made a like shot on video like howling sequel or something you know exactly because it doesn't feel like a horror film at all it blows my mind that this played on tbs elements. yes tbs oh, T- 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 tnt yes tnt the like, tv channel incredible. back in the 90s i have it on monster no elements vision. of horror films they must have been doing really bad as a whole as like a tv channel i know that it played on monster vision but they must have been like out of ideas of movies to play if they played that's this. why i always thought that this movie was a tv film yeah, no, Monster Vision like, honestly had really good ratings. They just wanted to switch their demographic. And even when this aired, I'm sure it had decent ratings still. Like, I can see, like, one of my my redneck family members on my father's side of the family liking this fucking movie. And they don't. They probably hate horror movies. Like, I can see some redneck guy that hates horror films watching this and really liking it. Yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> yeah. it. It's got, a, it's got a banging soundtrack, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's what sells it really. I just like the... Um, you know, just just the I, I I felt like it did. Fit, I mean, the acting was atrocious, but the the feeling capturing that feel of those like old school bar goers, I thought it was there. But that's like it. There's nothing else to it. I, I put here in my notes: acting is almost unbelievable. <laughs> the whole movie's just unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It says, I put here, shows scenes from the fifth movie and tries to shittily tie into it. <laughs> shittily. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to get into ratings? <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, let's do I, it. I, I think it's me again. So this absolutely, this barely even qualifies as a movie. It's crazy it even has a DVD release in the UK. I'm not surprised why it doesn't in the US. I can never this you know I always argue that like everything gets released eventually. I could actually see this never getting released ever. Like we me we can probably release it with our own like commentary on it or something for a you know maybe 50 bucks or something. <laughs> you know it's probably not hard to get the rights to this. <laughs> uh but yeah, I give this one uh this might sound crazy, might be fun, well, crazy to people, but uh I give it a 1.5 out of 10. Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, well, like I said before, I said, I don't even consider this really to be a movie. It's just rehashed footage with <laughs> some kind of lame minor attempt at a story in there, but it's essentially just a country music video. Um, oh my God. The red lens POV shots just it's just beyond me. <laughs> it's beyond wanna be, me. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. I want to be predator. Um, yeah. That's and corn evasion, man from children of corn part two. Yeah, exactly. It's not good. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, the main focus here for me is that I I can't even consider this to be like a full bred film. And with that said, this is probably the lowest rating I've ever given a film ever on here. I don't, well, maybe I did give. I'm not sure, but I am going to go with a point five out of ten. No, that's because point five because this movie exit or this this uh, I, I this piece of cinema. I what, I don't even know what to call it. It exists. It's in my house, so give them credit for that. But it is not a movie. At least it's watchable, right? Like it, you can't give it a my one. My wife was pissing herself at this. She was just roaring. She's like, "What is Listen, this?" And I'm this like, "This is this is, is supposed least, to be a werewolf film." This is at least one times better 
than Beneath the Mississippi. At least one times better. God, I have to see that movie, man. Okay, and then you'll readjust and you'll go back and you'll be like, okay, Howling 7 is a 1 out of 10. Beneath the Mississippi is a 0. 0.5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> Can I get a 1 out of 10, please? The thing is, I could never see myself upping my rating on this film just because it's like, I don't know how I could ever that bring myself up. me to watch it again. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, going back to like DVD release of this, I'm pretty very surprised it has a UK release. I didn't even know that. But the only way I ever see this movie ever getting any other release is if they came out with like a box set of the Howling films, which I yeah. doubt they will ever do. Or a Mystery Science Theater 3000. Episode. Yeah, something something like that. But um, dude, I fucking hated. I fucking hate <laughs> this movie. I fucking this is probably the worst fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. I was watching this movie and wanted to fucking kill myself. I was like, what in the fuck? I, was, I thought Clive Turner like he should commit. Like I'm surprised he's still alive and didn't commit suicide after making this fucking movie. Like Listen, this movie. Stop is, being a dick to Clive Turner, okay? Dude, Clive Turner's a cocksucker. Dude. <laughs> no, dude. I, Clive I Turner has respect. passion. Okay. I hope he's listening right <laughs> this now. This is true passion. Yeah. I hope he's fucking listening right now. Fuck this you, was Clive. not a money making scheme. He dude. wanted to make art clive turner is the type of dude that would be that has a ponytail like he does and walks around with wolf t-shirts on from walmart and some shitty jeans and fucking dirty ass nike shoes that's clive turner clive turner's a good old boy he probably he probably lays in his bed jerks off to the previous howling films dude clive turner don't jerk off yeah well i don't know what he does but he ain't making fucking movies anymore (laughs) that's damn i can't deal with this shit i remember i was in the middle of this movie and i just kept shaking my (laughs) I, I fucking was like, who the? F- I couldn't believe that this that somebody released this shit. I was like, I know that I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I can't believe this actually got released. Like, who watched this film and said, okay, let's edit it and put it on DVD <laughs> or let's put it on TV? Who the fuck? Like, it literally had nothing to do. Like, it tried to shittily tie into the previous. <laughs> shittily, <laughs> very shittily. But yeah, d- d- just let me just stop talking about At it. At least it I, tried to tie in. I wish I would have reviewed it before, or like said my rating before mood, since it was he was a first point five on here. But I literally rated it. I was gonna rate it a zero, but I give <laughs> it, I give it a point five because. We can't uh, do zeros, by the way, so that's okay, why you did. Well, well, I was gonna break the rules, but yeah, only only Brandon can. Yeah, <laughs> zero but, out of fucking ten. I don't give it a zero. I mean, I, it it is it was you know I give it a point five for the effort. Even though I don't like Clive Turner, he put a little effort in this movie. What little effort there was, he did the directing, he did the editing, he did the he wrote it, he produced it, he starred in it. I give him a point five for that for at least trying, but. At the end of the day, this movie is a fucking abomination. This uh, this should be the worst movie I think I've ever seen. I think you, it is. Watch Beneath the Mississippi and then come back to me because this is way better than that. But I, the only reason I had to go to 1.5 is because I, I like this movie better than Jack Frost 2. And that movie was just awful. And I gave that a 1. So th- <laughs> I think this movie is better than that. <laughs> Never seen Jack Frost too, but I don't. I cannot imagine. I'd rather watch a Jack Frost movie than this bullshit. Probably, probably. Yeah. So on that note, with uh, New Moon Rising being such a terrible film, it took them 16 years well, to. Hold up, we got Hall of Pain, dude. Oh With a shit. combined rating of 2.5. That's a 1.5 <laughs> from me, a 0.5 from Kyle, and a 0.5 from Moods. I believe that does make it our lowest rated film of all time. It is a 2.5. Oh my god. Out of 30. <laughs> it deserves a 2. It deserves a fucking 1 out of 30, honestly. 
but there's three of us, so that can't happen. (laughs) Yeah, that can't happen. Ah, shit. That's fucking nuts. Three all of painters in one. I hate this movie as much as Brandon hates Death's Court Service. (laughs) Brandon would probably hate this more, but. Probably. Yeah, if you get negatives, you go into the negatives. But yeah, on that note, uh, with uh, how shitty New Moon Rising was, you know, it took him 16 years to re. Well, I guess rehash this franchise. Um, yeah, this with is the Howling Reborn from 2011. Yeah, their official title for this is a reboot. That's what they they marketed it as. Yeah, yeah, reboot. Yeah, and don't get that confused with remake because it's not a remake of the first film. It definitely is like a reboot. This is like a brand new start. All like reboot is the stupidest term ever because everything is like a reboot. Anytime there's like three years between a f- sequel, it's like a reboot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So technically this one is just another howling film. It's not like a direct sequel to anything. It's not a direct remake of anything. It is in in name howling film only. It's exactly. a werewolf movie with howling in the title. Essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, a teenage outcast discovers he is a werewolf and must battle a pack of the brutal creatures when they threaten him and his new girlfriend. Yeah, th- this movie right here to me is like, it's like for that new age fan. Like, this isn't a movie that was made for fans of the Howling franchise. It was made for people that are trying, they want new people to like this film. Yeah, Younger, you, you know, this like one to me, it was just a... It's it's essentially just of that time, that 2011 time where everything's a little more sleek and it's just like, hey, this is a this is a horror film that like Anchor Bay or something, a contemporary horror film that they would put out, something like that. Which which they did. Did they? Was it Anchor <laughs> Bay? Okay, so yeah. exactly. Yeah. But this is um, you know directed at the glitter and the the glamour of high school and stuff, and yeah, well, why, they even went so far to cast. The two actors, one being Landon something, the the lead werewolf mean and uh, protagonist, he was uh, on Degrassi: The Next Generation for a few uh, seasons. Yeah, I didn't even know that. And the <laughs> I, female was a kid actor from a Nickelodeon TV show called Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Yeah, she was also in some show that my wife said last night. She's like, I know that girl. Pretty Little Liars. That that's it? what it is. Yep, that's what it is. I was like Lindsay Shaw, and she's like, yeah, she's like Pretty Little Liars. And she's like, oh, that's the show. I'd never even heard of it. <laughs> I've never, I've heard of it, but I've never wife seen it. I just it. know her face. Yeah. So, um, what, what do you got? Like, what do you want to talk about on this one? Well, oh. just put it this way: it's a fucking masterpiece. After watching Part Seven, yeah, you know, yeah. like right away, you're like, wow, this movie looks amazing, <laughs> awesome, yeah. but. You got to so think awesome. of like the technology difference from the time frame of when the last one was made till this one. It's like a huge like technology blew up like and so like there's the editing on this and everything about this movie looks a lot better. I mean, it's still honestly for for a movie that was made in 2011. I don't know what the budget was on this movie. It wasn't for a 2011 movie. It didn't look that great. I mean, it was Well, it was a direct video film. So yeah. so the budget definitely yeah. wasn't that high. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, it's just one of those films that honestly they probably did more with the mu- budget than what the budget probably was. Because I remember, I remember this. This was when I first started watching YouTube and stuff. I remember the marketing for this film, 
And I remember everybody just up in arms, like, I can't believe they're remaking The Howling. And then I was like, because this was, you know, right around that time where remakes were still absolutely, like, just hated. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, damn it, why are they doing that? And then, like, after watching all these, I'm like, Jesus Christ, what was everybody, everybody should have been flipping out about the nine sequels that sucked. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Instead of, like, this thing. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of felt like this movie was like a... Um, a Twilight like like made movie like it reminded me. I've never fully seen Twilight or it's not Twilight. It just reminded me like of a Twilight feel. It's just pretty. P- people are pretty and it's like sleek looking. Well, no, because of like the love thing they had going on, it just seemed like a little kind of Twilightish. Not obviously, it's not a direct representation of Twilight, but it had a Twilight type feel to the movie in a way. Well, that, like, I with, think it's because it came out in that era where Twilight was big. Yeah. And it has pretty people and there's a love story, which is pretty much like any horror film dealing with teens, though. Right. Like, yeah, that, that really happens a lot. I've seen, I think, the first two Twilights. It's definitely not Twilight. And they even make a reference to Twilight in this film where they say, like, these these werewolves aren't your sparkly, uh, you know, pussies or whatever. You know, they're badass. Yeah. So they even kind of took a dig at Twilight. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean, I thought the acting in this movie was actually good. I mean, there really wasn't like, I mean, this it was, was decent. I mean, it wasn't like horrible, but like it it was a lot better than all the other fucking movies. This like, acting was fine, dude. There wasn't. It, it, I mean, for like indie yeah. level acting, like there's it's no the the acting was pretty decent, man. I think the biggest problem with this movie is the obvious abundance of like plot holes. Like beginning of the film where he's just like. You know, he's this real big geek and stuff, and it just kind of jumps forward into it, and then all of a sudden he's at this rave, and then he's, like, with the girl of his dreams and stuff, and it's just, it's very yeah. choppy editing, man. It's like, holy shit, like, what the fuck just happened? Like, Jumped into it really quick. Really? Yeah, like, really fucking quick, man. Yeah. The, she I, invited I him to the party. Yeah, but, wh- like, why? Like, she because was, like... Because she, she's seen that he was drawing pictures of her. Yeah, but, all right, so take take back... No, I know, but he back. was accepted, but he he was, like, kind of portrayed as a super outcast. But yeah. then he was kind of, you know, he was almost willing to be accepted almost too easy. It was like, okay, if you're well, that much of an outcast... a girl? Well, no, dude. You know, yeah, and pretty much every, everybody well, else Well, the other people also had an agenda. I know, that they, they had an agenda. Him. I know. But the girl accepted him. One, because she's supposed to be not that person, not not the person that she's hanging I out. I understand. I'm just saying the way they did it was choppy. I understand all this. It just happened so it fucking It happened quick, really, man. really quick. I completely agree because, like, you see her hanging all over the Roland guy who completely hates this kid and, like, is cutting him with his ring and <laughs> acting all dickish to him. See, my point the is they don't really scene. showcase him being that major yeah. outcast that he's portrayed to be already. You know, they don't really show it. And it's but like, okay, I, I feel like um, I feel like in the dialogue, the narration, he, he, he was kind of saying that he's – it to me, it, yeah. I got the vibe that he's not an outcast. He's just not noticed. Like he, yeah. he's not this huge nerd that nobody likes. He just, well, he goes, is also nobody, like the, look, even when the guy, the teacher talks to him, he's like, you're just average. Like, no, like you're not, there's nothing, there's nothing special about, about you. you. Yeah. yeah. So I don't get yeah. the sense that he was just all of a sudden now that he's going through but this werewolf thing, all of a sudden mean. he's known people are noticing him now. I, mm-hmm. I thought that that's what, what they were doing by the fact that he takes his, he, he can see good now and his glasses are off. Like the idea that he's now going into this stage of, call it puberty or like late puberty or whatever where he's becoming this werewolf now people are paying attention to him and that's classic lore that we've heard for a long time in werewolf uh yeah. films is is that, that there's a certain aura about him and i i th- 
think that that's what they was attempting to do. Whether it worked or not, I guess it didn't for you. It didn't not really. It didn't really work for me at all because you know when the word outcast is kind of vague though too. I mean, he's not necessarily like an outcast that people hate. Yeah, he is that kid that's no one noticed, but he still is on the outskirts of everything, right? Yeah, and it just it just seemed like she took him in. But, so but there's I the mean, word right there. He's on the outskirts, meaning he's right there, about to be in. You know what I mean? On the the outskirts, outskirts is just. Well, I guess it, it depends on how you take the word. I think of outskirts as being way far away, like way far away. You know, uh, that's just the way I see it, and that's the way I look at it. So, but I mean, regardless, I just figure just the way the movie's edited in like the first like 20 minutes, it's just like it seems so kind of choppy. Is you wish this movie was a little bit longer. <laughs> no just just have maybe the odd scene no definitely not longer i don't know i just felt like the flow at the beginning of the film was just like holy shit like it just felt kind of like that new age editing and stuff it, but it, I, it was it was it was exactly that i mean it was it yeah. was jumping around but i think that that like i was kind of almost relieved to see that after watching all these slow as fuck films true that. I just I like just, all right let's was, get to the damn point already we already know yeah. that he's slowly gonna build his way into the crew fuck that let's just get in there yeah i mean I guess that's, you know, it's understandable, um, which was, you know, at, at time, like it was kind of nice to see that kind of faster pace. But at the same time, I was like, damn, that just seemed very odd to me. But that's not the kind of the plot holes I was talking about more towards the end and things like that. Just with yeah, like, things what that else were going on. Because I was actually curious when you mentioned that. Um, well, for fact that there's about 30 dead people in the basement of the school and no one says anything about <laughs> any missing people and there's a fucking graduation happening and they're calling people's names and no one seems to mention anything about any of these people that are missing yeah. and all this stuff is just happening underneath everyone's nose. But you got to remember this graduation is happening. There's stuff going on. Well, all this is going on inside and no one says anything or notices. It's a major, major plot hole. It's like, yeah, that how do you not notice hole. it? Yeah, how do you not notice that there's all these people that are dead? Because were, when they were do they go all the base- students or were they just random ass people? Yeah, they are. They are yeah. students. Yeah, they're uh, students. Yeah. yeah, well, that makes little sense. That's what I was, and I was like, holy shit, dude, that's kind of a major thing. Like, like, wouldn't someone notice that that many people are missing? They had this huge party last night and all these bodies have been missing for, well, fuck. It's like, holy shit, man. I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. Just, Kind of very amateur filmmaking, but. I, I like the, uh, well, I like the, um, like the rave stuff a little bit like i don't know it was like i kind of like the look of like all the fucking bad werewolves it almost feels more of a goddamn vampire movie than a werewolf yeah movie. that's why i was it, saying it's kind of got that twilight feel to it it kind of felt like a vampire-ish type movie in a way well Va- I don't know. twilight's a werewolf movie too well yeah but i'm just saying like it had that feel to it which was like the new age you know, like whoever said earlier when we were talking about it that they were trying to get a new audience with this, that's exactly – you can tell that this movie is made – it's like an episode of Degrassi almost. Like there's like a lot of teenage drama going on and then a lot of love, teenage love story going on. It's But is the audience really a different like target or, or, the, or has times just changed? Because I, as far as I know, The Howling was probably marketed for teenagers. You know what I mean? And – yeah, it was focusing on adults in the film, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I mean, this is—it's just changed type of people that watch horror movies now. Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, the overall story in the film, you know, with his mother apparently being dead, and well, she's quite obviously not. You know, things like that. I don't know, man. Does it work? I don't know. It's not really. Just, it, I mean, well. I mean, the story really isn't that cool at all. It's just like no. I found. I honestly. 
this might make me sound kind of lame, but I actually found like the love story more interesting than than the like revenge and the mother, well, the the, the it, plot twist and stuff. It's because you're probably kind of like me. Um, when I'm watching these type of films, I'm kind of rooting for the underdog a little bit. Yeah, you know, he he's this he's this geek that probably you want him should to get be getting the, hot the girl. girl. Yeah, you want him to get the hot girl, and you want him to succeed and stuff. And like, you know, the scene where they want him to basically kill her, but he decides against that because he's the protagonist. He's not the antagonist in the film, and he, gra- or he jump, or he basically fucking uh, throws her out a window. And, you yeah. know, kind of sacrifices his body to save her. And it, it's kind of one of those moments you're just like, ah, he did it. Ah. <laughs> is, it is it me or does it have sort of a, um odd shade to it? Like color. Like the, act, like the actual color tone of the film? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got that J.J. Abrams type shade to it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. You know, but, like the, the little like gleams on the camera and like it's kind of like a weird. Yeah. Yeah. Different yeah. kind of color too. like it's almost like it's got a filter on it, like a like a picture filter on the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I couldn't get over in this film is, you know, his buddy that, of course, is making his horror film, <laughs> of course, is some dude making a horror film. Um, how much access they have to like the building and stuff. Yeah. Like, there's this grad going on and this guy's just got all this access. And you're like, hey, man, just just go ahead. Yeah. Go and yeah. go and use the school. It would have been a perfect opportunity for him <laughs> to say, uh, working on my shapeshifters nine movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that would have been so good. See, that's how you could tell the, the person who made this obviously never seen any of the other howling films. Probably that, great. The missed opportunity. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I like the film nerd friend, you know, he was like, you know, do you know anything about werewolves? And he's like, well, yeah, only three of my unproduced 12 drafts are werewolf films or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which was kind of cool because at least, you know, in this one, they kind of explained why he knew a bit about uh, werewolf and, you know, the mythology and stuff. Unlike part seven, it's like, I, I know everything about werewolves. <laughs> of course <laughs> like, I know. What the fuck are you talking about? But this guy actually made, you know, werewolf films and horror films. So he studied it and it made sense. So, you know, at least they covered that a little bit. But I have to say, man, there's one part in this film. I call it the MacGyver scene. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is like the scene from uh, the Evil Dead remake. Remember, how, you know, the MacGyver scene with the fucking. <laughs> yeah, oh, re- yeah. The revived. elevator shit. I th- instantly thought it out. I was like, Moods is going to hate this and I do as well. <laughs> oh, my God. I started laughing so hard. And even the wife was like, ah, what the fuck? It's so like, lame, dude. Yeah. It's, it's so, so stupid lame. Because it was. It's so stupid because if he, like in reality, I know you have to disconnect yourself. This is the movie and stuff. But if you actually did that, you would blow her heart up. I literally <laughs> took a point off just for that. I was like, it's you know so what? You don't deserve stupid. this. stupid. Why do they put shit like that into films? It doesn't have to be there, man. Just perform natural CPR or something. You don't have to fucking shock her with some yeah. open live wire, like, dude. You're going to kill her. I, I know, can right? literally write all the things you can never do. Like, oh, so stupid. I could see somebody tra- turning their cell phone into like a shocking device. I'd be like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> you just like grab <laughs> yeah, like, know, a right? random wire in the elevator and just lays it on her and, and yeah. just shocks her back to life. It just, that was just like so unrealistically stupid. It's like, how did he learn how to do that? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know, man. The overall film, in my opinion, isn't like total shit. It's not total uh, shit. I think it's like, I don't think it's anything special. It's kind of like this. It's just like a reboot that, you know, some people might like, you know, gen- younger generations and stuff. But, you know, as a whole and a film, no. 
<laughs> I don't really care for it too much, to be honest. But it's not a complete piece of shit, though. No, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel I very similarly. It, it looked, I mean, the movie directorial-wise was good. The acting was good. It was just, like, the plot itself, along with, like, well, pretty much just about all the other films. The thing is, I think, this, I think this guy uh, was his directorial <laughs> debut. I believe it was his first film. So it's not a bad start. You know, I, I think there's a lot of things that he did right, and there's some pretty good shots, uh, cinematography and stuff like that, like good angles used. Like he actually took the time to like shoot some different angles and stuff, which was kind of cool. Yeah, and um, honestly, some of the CGI werewolves and stuff, like not the worst, but there was also like a little bit of like decent werewolf action in here as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's kind of too bad that they did CG the werewolf transformations and stuff. Because I probably would have given a little more credit, but it's kind of the way these films were going in, the, in this time. Like few it's years actually back. slowed down a lot now. Have you noticed? Like practical is kind of making a little bit of a comeback, but yeah, like because I said, eight, they're starting to listen eight, to nine, fans. ten, eleven CGI yeah. heavy man. Think of stuff that came out like Jennifer's body and all that oh, stuff. I know, right? Yeah, I think they're really starting to listen to the fans now, and everyone's always preaching about you know practical effects, fuck CG and stuff, and you you really are starting to see a lot more of it, which is a good thing. But I think this film would have benefited from the natural, you know, look of werewolves and stuff. And but, you know, that's not the only problem. But I think it is a good start for the director. Like I said, I think he's got potential ahead of him. I think that he could probably do something pretty decent. Yeah, so. that script needed a few more uh, reworks oh. and stuff like that. It just had, like I said, that you know, plot holes. Sometimes people can overlook and stuff. But this one was just kind of ridiculous. It was like mm-hmm. all this stuff is happening right there, and no one is saying a thing or noticing anything. I'm like. This just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's hard to overlook. So, yeah. You guys want to get yeah. in the ratings? Sure. Don't really got a whole lot more to say about uh, the reborn. I'll go first. Um, yeah, 2011, I stated what I liked and didn't like about the film. I thought there's some good things, a lot of potential. I think there's a lot of mediocre things and a couple bad things um, that are going on with the film. I did like the main characters, they were very likable. I thought the girl was actually quite cute. Um, it, it's kind of funny that the, the guy that's in the film, he reminded me of Harry Potter with his glasses yeah, on. Instantly, I was like, does. Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and it kind of made me laugh because I actually am a fan of the Harry Potter films. I know that's really odd, but I do like the Harry Potter films. And, um, but, uh, I, overall, I think that it just could be a lot better, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not total shit, not total shit, but I'm going to give it a four out of 10. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Um, I actually like this one a little bit. It, has uh two people that I actually do like as actors, the Landon or yeah, I think his name's Landon or something, or what the hell is his real name? I f- I think it is Landon. Whatever his name is, the lead character. He was on also on a show called Terra Nova, which I kinda dug the first season. It got cancelled right after that. And he was on uh a movie that I actually really liked, contained horror. It's called Altitude and it's about people in a plane. And that one was really cool. So I, I like seeing this guy in some horror films. He's also in Hemlock Grove in all of those seasons as well. So he's done more werewolves after this. Oh. Yeah. So honestly, like to me, I think that this is probably an average film. I'll give it slightly above average because I, I think that this is definitely the third best in the in the series. That's for damn sure. Uh, give this one a 5.5 5 out of 10. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you guys at the same time with this. I mean, it was uh, directorial wise. I, I liked the way you know it was kind of shot. It wasn't the, the directing part aspect of it wasn't bad. The acting aspect of it wasn't bad. Uh, plot. 
it, I don't know. It it kept me interesting interested. It was good. It was a lot better than most of the other previous films. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with it was a newer made movie too, and some of the older movies. You know, from like the some of the ones that were really bad, like the third one um, and the fourth one, they were you know they were just really just older and the technology was different. So I think with the way it was directed, even though the plot was was all right, average, like kind of like I'm right there with you, JP. It still kept me involved because it looked good. Um, and yeah, the the women in the movie were very nice to look at, so that that definitely helped. Um, I gave it a five out of ten. I thought it was like literally an average movie. It was yeah, it, it pretty much is. You know, it's it's just one of those films that is like, I mean, technically wise, the like you said, the directing and stuff. I would say it's even a little above average, but the story kind of drags it down a little bit because it is wonky and there's a little plot holes and stuff. I thought the acting was above average. I thought the um, you know, even the CGI was actually above average, uh, from what I've seen. And, uh, you know, the character, this, uh, development was above average. I, I think that it's a, it's a pretty average movie when you factor in our three opinions on it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> that was <laughs> a hike, dude. A hike. So this, so this, I, I just wanted to do something very Fun. I was kind of laughing about this last night. I just thought I'd total up. So we rate films out of 10 and, you know, I just wanted to total up my score out of 80. So basically what I came up with, this franchise had a total score out of out of 80, 33 out of 80 <laughs> for wow. a whole franchise. And just think about that. Nine and a half of those points are from the howling. That's Original so point. crazy, man. Dude, so like 25 fucking percent. Of my yeah. points are coming from one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy, insane, insane. So, um, did you guys do a ranking at all? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually totaling up my points right now because I want to see it. So, if you want to go with your ranking, Kyle. Uh, yeah. So I rank them. Um, I'll start with like the one I like the well, the one that I gave the highest ranking to the most. I'm just gonna double check this real quick to make sure. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so I gave uh, the first one obviously was uh, the best one. Uh, then I went down. I did number six. So number six was the Freaks, I believe. Um, number two, and then I had two ties. So number one was the best, obviously. Number six was the second best. Second one was the third best, uh, and then I had a tie for the fourth best, which was number five and number eight, and then a tie for the fifth best which was number three and number four. And then the worst one obviously is number seven. So, all right. So my total rating is 33 out of 80. I believe you said, right? Yeah. So what was yours? What mine? No, uh, moods is mine was 33 out of 80. Oh, mine too. <laughs> That's, That's so weird. fucked up. Shit. Well, as for my ranking, of course, the Howling from 81 is my number one. Howling 2 at number two. Number three was uh, the Howling 5, which JP highly disagrees with that one. Uh, Number four was the Howling Reborn, which is the newest one, came in fourth, which is holy shit. Um, Number five was number six, The Freaks. Um, Number six in my ranking was part four. Number seven was number three marsupials and of course last on the list is new moon rising with a 0.5 out of 10 obviously number eight 
Yeah, so there's two ways that I could rank mine, either by rating or just by how much I enjoyed them. Uh, I'll do the rating one just for the sake of how, that's how I normally rate or rank now. So uh, obviously number one is the Howling original. Number two is the Howling 2. Uh, then number three is the Howling Reborn. And then number four is the Howling 6. Then on to the Howling 4. Then on to the Howling 3, then on to the Howling 5, and finally coming in last we have the Howling 7. But that's not, I actually like the Howling 7 more than Part 5. Uh, part 5 <laughs> is just I can't believe something that, that I, it was just so boring. So boring. It's not a better movie, it's not a better movie, but it, it to me it's more fucking entertaining than that garbage. Uh, you know, these films, minus the first one, literally minus the first one, I would say all of these films could be considered bad movies. It just determines on what type of bad you like more than uh, the other type of bads that are there. They're, yeah. they're all shitty. Like, all these movies suck. Dude. This is the worst goddamn franchise ever. Like, Hellraiser, I will gladly watch all the Hellraisers twice in a row than watch these one time in a row you know out of eight films i only recommend three films like if i was going by five out of ten i only have three films over five listen i recommend if i was honestly recommending these to like other horror fans i would literally say watch the howling yeah don't watch Skip any of the other all ones. of them even part yeah. two because it's not it's not that. even a good movie it's just we like nah, it. it's we like fun though we like cheesy crazy weird stuff but the Howling is the only movie you need to I see. I feel like the, the sequels kind of ruin like the feel to the first movie in a way too, because it's like it's I, I kind of agree with that. It's like with just dark. watch, <laughs> just watch the first one. Why do you need to watch all these other really, really bad prequel like remakes? Not remakes, but sequels is what I want to say. This literally so it, almost like turned me off of doing franchise shows for a second, because I was but, just like, dude, these. <laughs> if it gets any worse than this, I don't know if I'll be able to survive. Like, well, we this covered... was the worst experience I've had in terms of, like, movies. Marathon. I mean, we've covered more of the obscure ones. I mean, we're kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty. But, you know, there is some – there is a white light out there. You know, there is some – Whose idea was it to do this franchise, just... by the way? Man, why, yeah. like, why, why, why did you want to do The Howling, to be honest? Like, Well, no, because we're eventually going to do all of them. So yeah, the, you know, we got It just was the time to do The Howling. That's we it. don't want to cover – the big four right away or like psycho like we want to save those because like those are some of our biggest shows we've already done halloween we've done some other franchise we're just trying to focus on ones that haven't been really talked about too much so that's true but yeah you know get the howling out of here moods had the craziest idea listeners listen a couple years ago moods started this thing where he sits down with either aaron or dylan and he watches movies in a marathon, usually a franchise, but but the one with Dylan was just random movies. He came to me and, you know, this was like a good year ago or more. And he's like, I think me and Aaron are going to do the Howling franchise next. God damn, <laughs> you're so lucky you didn't try that. Oh God, God damn, so you would have been effed, dude. All of them in one day? Oh my even, God. <laughs> even f- over four days, man. It just made my whole week miserable, man. That would have really made me did. want it, like, depressive. I would have, like, had to take, like, suicidal. <laughs> goddamn sidle, dude. These, this is the, like, seriously, I've marathoned the Hellraiser franchise before. That's nothing compared to this I've garbage. This garbage is garbage, man. 
I would rather like I can't even think of another franchise besides like the Witchcraft franchise. Like even Puppet Master, dude. I watch all ten of those. You know? Oh, that's easy, way better than that. Easy than this uh, garbage. Matt, yeah. This is garbage. So I do have a question for anybody out there that's still listening to the cast because it's probably well over three hours. I don't know, but uh, um, what is your worst franchise? What do you think the worst franchise is out there? Let us know. Yeah, drop us a voicemail. Phone us up. Phone us up. Call us up. Drop us a line somehow with your thoughts on what you think the worst franchise is out there. Because it's interesting. I mean, until you've experienced it like we have, the Howling by far is the worst. I kind of re- revoke my uh, after we like. I always feel like I do this a lot. It's like <laughs> once we get into the nitty gritty and I hear other people's opinions, I, I do kind of revoke what I said at the the beginning of the podcast about Children of the Corn being. I think this is worse. Yeah. Um, I just think hey, that, you're like, always allowed to do that, man. You're always allowed. Yeah, to do that. that's the point of the discussion. Feel, exactly, <laughs> that's the point of talking about it. Right, well, kind of makes you realize things. Like I feel like these movies were so shitty. They were some of them were laughable, watchable movies. But with Children of the Corn, they were just some of them were just really just shitty. Like they weren't even really funny. They were just shitty, shitty. And you know, but there were more Children of the Corn movies that were like a lot better than these films. So yeah, I definitely agree with this being probably. I haven't done. I haven't watched many franchises in my lifetime. I mean, I've watched the obvious ones like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and those, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, things like this. I, you know, I've never watched the Howling franchise, but I can guarantee you, I'll never watch anything other than the first one probably ever again. Yeah, dude, I wouldn't probably <laughs> never. Maybe the second one, but besides that, maybe. Jesus, dude. I like. I mean, I'm serious, guys. I, said the same I, I thing was after starting the to get a little head, depressed right? by the like the last when I had five in two days I was like dude this is gonna suck it actually ended up not being that bad besides the fifth one that was the only one where I hated my life really <laughs> but dude there's I love franchise shows I love putting myself through this one but this has definitely replaced Silent Night Deadly Night as like my least fun experience in terms of just enjoying films like i'm yeah. not gonna say i hated doing this because i actually did i actually like doing stuff like this it's weird but but it's I, fun to do because you also got a chance to see the films yeah yeah right? yeah. yeah and I'll, i guarantee i'll bring those up to other people in my life like oh god stay away from the howling or whatever but yeah. you know it's just it's just something fun to do and i look forward to doing these but this is definitely was the sloggiest run in terms of way worse than silent night deadly night <laughs> yeah definitely agree well kyle's probably starting to hate us now he jumps on these episodes of with a lot of shitty films hey i honestly <laughs> like enjoy, an abundance man i, I kind of like knocking some of these movies out because i never seen any of the howling films yeah. on the first one so i was like you know okay we'll do it and like i honestly did not really i i mean i didn't like the movies but i didn't like hate the experience of watching them like i mean it yeah, was yeah. interesting to talk about them and learn you know which ones were good which ones weren't and yeah it's kind of a fun experience when you're like oh there's eight of these like which ones am i gonna like because i guarantee i'm gonna like one or two yeah, i'm probably yeah. gonna hate most but like it's cool to see and just see the different stories that they told in each one. And I like doing that. I mean, there's plenty of other franchises. We don't I don't think we have another franchise show planned right now, but it'd be cool to have you back on and make you watch like nine movies in a row again. Well I was telling moods like uh, <laughs> during one of our breaks one of the breaks we had that like I just bought the Omen box set. I thought that would be a really cool franchise to watch. I've never seen a single one, so that would I would be cool with that. You know so. what? Honestly the Omen the first three Omen films are good. So Maybe that'll be. It's pretty. Next. It's pretty slow. I mean, it's got a you know fourth bad TV film and a shitty remake, but it is what it is. At least it'll be more solid than this one. Plus, it's only like five, uh, six films you got to watch. No, what is that? Four it's, or five? I think it's four, isn't there? The way five. Five, five total remake. franchises. Yeah. 
So that's yeah, but so, and we'll figure we'll figure out the next franchise. Sometime yeah, yeah, now. it'll probably be a while from now. We got some. Uh, we got Valentine next week, I believe, for our Valentine's Day show. Uh, I've yep. never seen that one. That's pretty cool. And shortly after that, we have our top ten of two thousand two. Uh, should we announce what's going on with that one, or keep a secret? Uh, might as well. Might as well keep a secret or announce it. Announce it. Okay, so we're going to have a reunion from our last Top 10 show. We got the Exploding Heads guys. Brandon and Dave will be on that show. So this should be a blast like the other Top 10 show we did. So you guys definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah, that'll be awesome. So as of right now, I believe it is just me and uh, JPU (laughs) 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 on next week. (laughs) Fucking make me laugh. So, yeah, just the two of us again um, for Valentine's Day, which makes sense, right? It'll yeah. be like a little date that we're having watching yeah, Valentine's Day. I mean, we're in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly, right? So, but with that said, that is going to conclude the 20, the 22nd, the 72nd episode of the 22 Shots and Moods and Horror Podcast. Holy shit, I can't talk. It's been so long. And uh, JP. Take us out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, yeah thanks yeah, for definitely. stopping by. You can check out Kyle at The Horror File on YouTube. He makes videos and stuff like that. Our website, <laughs> 22shotsofmoodsandhorror.com. This is where we post all kind of fun stuff. You can contact us on Twitter, 22 Shots Podcast. I've been doing a countdown of 365 movies, been tweeting them out, little mini reviews and stuff. I'm actually having a lot of fun with that. Check that out. Follow me. And, uh, you know, Moods, we actually need to give you that password so you can tweet out some stuff if you ever feel like it. Um, you never do. So uh, email 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com. Subscribe to iTunes and also Facebook slash group slash 22 shots podcast that is the home of horror and of course the voicemail 724-426-6665 again that is 724-426-6665 i am jp that is moods that is kyle we will see you guys next time peace peace peace